3: You hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head.
1: The Chairshot.com always use your head.
3: And we have quite the episode for you today. I'm going to say this repeatedly throughout the episode, but here's your first warning, kids. Today's episode is not spoiler free. So if you are listening to this here on Monday and you have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home yet and you don't want to get spoiled, you're going to want to skip about the middle third of this episode. Because we are going to talk all about our experiences seeing Spider Man No Way Home, our feelings about the movies, and plenty of plot points that will, I guarantee it, spoil the movie for you, upset people like PC Tunney who don't like to be spoiled before going in to see the movies at the theater. This is not the episode like you. You Watch the movie first before you listen to this episode. We will we will warn you again. We will say this is the stopping point when we get to, to, to that part of the podcast as well. Uh, but in addition to that, a new series review that we just started here on Netflix is The Witcher Season 2 finally dropped on Friday. We will also be talking a little Hawkeye. Because there's some important, there was a big reveal in Hawkeye that actually I feel connects to Spider-Man No Way Home. And then we will wrap it up with week two of the DC Marvel Decathlon talking video games and animation. Quite the episode. I am joined currently by the lawyer himself, David Ungar. How are you, Dave?
2: I am doing ecstatically well sir i am very excited for this episode i mean episode 110 i mean i'll just say this at the outset the podcast didn't exist when endgame dropped and we have an endgame level event here to talk about here today so i'm super excited to be here to share to share this with you fellas
3: we are also joined by the live studio audience himself pc tunny how are you sir
4: I am well. I am like 29 minutes currently removed from exiting the theater post-credits, post-credit and trailer preview, whatever the fuck you want to call it.
3: Right. Hot off of, hot out of the theater. Very, very nice. Very exciting. We will have a couple of other people probably pop in and join us later. Ray Cash is out this week Uh, for most of the show, though he does want to try and call in when we get to the uh spider-man no way home portion as he saw it as well and we could be joined a little bit late by christopher platt as well and that's all well and good because i'm willing to put money out there that they did not toss a coin to their witcher and so they um probably are are okay with missing this first section of the show as we get ready to cover uh, a new series not a new series season two of another series and one that i was really really excited to catch so without further ado here's some music toss a coin to your witcher oh valley of plenty oh valley of plenty
5: oh. toss a coin to your witcher oh valley of plenty
3: There we go. Dave, we do not own the rights to this music, so don't take us off the internet, internet. No, I was
2: actually going to use that song myself if you didn't have any theme music. So good choice, Patrick.
3: See, I took some time this morning to add a soundbite. I did that all my am I'm almost all grown up in the world of podcasting. Someday I'll be able to post my own podcast instead of relying you're like you're still post production though cuz i do like that <laughs> the part the that, part know.
4: that you the part that you don't know that's left to finish the process patrick is literally the part that takes the least amount of time
3: it's not even it's not even that i don't know how to do it it's that um something is up and i've asked about this um to certain owners of the churchyard radio i for some reason can't post like i can create everything up to like the description and all that. But like, all I can do is ask for it to be reviewed by someone else and get it posted. Oh,
4: you're like, yeah, you don't have a high enough clearance level on WordPress.
3: Yeah. See, apparently I, I'm just not part Talk, of the kids.
4: I, it's funny. You say the owners when there's one owner and you have one best friend and you can't get, but I'm just clearance. saying I'm
3: throwing that out to say <laughs>
4: that's friend. And he's like, I oh, don't worry about it. And I'm like, I have zero, yeah, I, I have zero
3: control over that. Well, and here's the thing is I, I'm, I don't it doesn't bother me too too much because Dave always does those nice little tags at the end of the show. And so and it does some nice post production pieces like he has some sound bites like the news around the nerdosphere music is all him. He's the he's the trailer park music guy. He he does all that stuff. So uh, on that element it, it it's just this night nice, like Dave gets to put kind of the bow on the show uh the nice wrapping as it were here in this holiday season. Uh, before it actually goes to press and so there is some important pieces and and dave actually does a little bit more cleanup does some better cleanup on his end when our Um, audience is terrible and he never craps out like mine does sometimes
4: let me just tell you it's it's uh I, i miss dp when he's not on the dwi podcast because he's part of the dwi podcast like the half creator of it but I mainly miss him when he's not there because then I have to post the podcast, whereas I can just show up record <laughs> and record if he's there, you know, so it's one of the main reasons I love this show so much.
3: It's because you just show up and then you go home. You I'm like
4: a real, a, up, a, yeah. a, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like Christopher Platt when I'm here.
3: Excellent, <laughs> just excellent. Show up
4: well, my mind and I'm done with it.
3: Do you have a
2: strange attraction I, to Margot Kidder right now, Tony?
3: We're gonna probably talk about Margot Kidder later in this episode, unfortunately. But uh, let's let's get into The Witcher uh, because I played the music, and much like other season two or just any first episode of a of a of a season two, three, four, whatever. After you get past season one, first season is all the first episode of like the new season is always getting your feet back underneath you with the characters, and this story. But other than being a, a fun twist on Beauty and the Beast, like the Beauty and the Beast fairy tale, uh, is really about us getting reacquainted with the characters of The Witcher. We we spend most of our time with Geralt and Siri, who Dave, you mentioned this when we were uh chatting offline yesterday. Uh Freya Allen has, has gotten older and she looks older. Uh and and you and you paid note to that. Um but she was all. She was already a teenager. Like you know, she was playing a teenage character when Geralt claims her, cl- claims her uh, as her protector when, when they set off. So that was that was kind of step on. The, the episode picks up right at the end of that climactic battle where Yennefer has laid waste to, and here comes your moment of the show, everyone, where you can drink because I can't remember the kingdom of the army that she wipes out. No, and I even watched guard six minute recap. The what? Milfgard. It is
4: Milfguard, yeah. It's a I shithole, remember that. Shithole Shithole Milfgard.
3: MILFGard from the, from the Milfgard. Beginner's guide. Yeah. Nilfgaard. Could
4: be it, could be the god, it was full
2: of MILFs, succulent and tasty MILFs. Or
3: or NILF. I think mean, isn't it an N? It's an N. Yeah, it's not Milfgaard. It's Nilfgaard. Oh. It's it more be fun. Nilfgaard. I, I hear you, I hear you. Um Yennefer finds herself a captive of Fringilla. And a few of the surviving Nilfgaardian soldiers, though that changes quickly at the end of the episode. Uh, and we see Tassia with the captured Kahir or Kahir. I can't remember how to say his name. And I'm I'm just gonna full disclosure, guys. I got the cast list sitting in front of me right now because I knew I was gonna forget all these names. Um, trying to question what the intention of the Nilfgaardian army is going to do. Like, what are their intentions next? And she takes some pretty extreme measures to try and get that information in in a disturbing little scene. But most of the episode is spent with Dave's man crush, Henry Cavill, as Geralt. Uh, As they are in their travels, they do pass cross paths at the very opening of the episode with Tissaia. Uh, before winding up at this village that is deserted, save for a lone a castle, I get not a castle, but like a manor house, that is occupied by a cursed man by the name of Nivellen, who is a now boar man, and he is an old friend of Geralt's, and he's keeping a secret as to everything behind his curse. And, and over the course of the episode, we learn that, He is housing a creature by the name of Arena, who he has fallen in love with, a vampire-like monster that is actually the key to his curse being broken. And I think that my favorite thing about this episode and what I really appreciated, and then I'll hand it over to to, – we'll go Tani first to kind of talk about his thoughts, is – like I said, it was like this new take on the Beauty and the Beast narrative, but it really started to enter in this concept of challenging the concept of monsters and, and what those monsters are and what they mean in this series. Uh, in this series, because there is this very, you know, quiet moment in a bedroom with uh, with with Verena and Siri, where Siri's like, "You're a monster, and you do these, you know, you're you're horrible," and, and Marina challenges that and it, it causes a little bit of doubt into series mind in this take. And by the way, also, for those of you who don't recognize Christopher Hibju, or Hibju I can't uh, pronounce his name, uh, just happy to see him in another show after Game of Thrones. So hopefully he comes back. Uh, excellent, excellent stuff. So I thought this was a great foundational episode uh, and kind of just gets us back into the world. Tony, what were your thoughts? Um on this episode on this return to the witcher is tunny still with us he might be frozen tunny for the first time is the one who is frozen so dave give your thoughts while tunny gets himself back on board on on this return to the witcher
2: okay so a few things first off kudos to netflix for the tremendous beginner's guide to season one yeah. w- six, ep- six uh six minute little short and, and it was funny and it was engaging and it got and and the best part because season one of the witcher the thing that i forgot about it was the time jumping around and that caused problems right. at the beginning of the season for lots of people this was chronologically laid out and i was like oh yeah yeah i remember all that and then you follow that up with the season one recap the little three minute thing and like I think, uh, in all due respect, Ray actually started watching The Witcher because I basically said, "Dude, just watch that man. You'll have enough from that, and then you can go back and watch it if you're really interested." Um, so right. big shout out to Netflix for that. I-, I love the episode because it does, you know, you pick up with the whole aspect of Geralt, and yeah, Siri has grown up. She looks significantly different. She looks significantly more mature. Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, that. Tissia or tessia is that her name
3: pat is that the yes yeah, so you're talking Tosia, about Tosia. uh with tessia with uh with yennefer yeah yeah she's I know, desperate i know tessia no, no, is with kahir yes
2: yeah, but she's at the beginning she's desperate to find yennefer and can't really believe that she's really gone and they 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 tease it for about half the episode before they show her and and you get to see that but I tell you, what's what's the creature called, called a Brexa? Verena is a Brexa, right? Is that what she is?
3: Like that. Which yeah, is I... like
2: a vampiric sort of wraith-like creature when she actually
3: transforms. But I tell you what... what... This is terrible, but for anybody who's ever watched what we do in the shadows, when yeah. she turns into the creature the first time, um, I started yelling, Bat! Bat! <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I
2: loved about what they did with her, and, and this was smart on the part of them, is... They tapped it. I know a lot of people. I'm not one of them. It doesn't bug me too much, but a lot of people get really wigged out by that jerky stop animation sort of movement with, the, with creatures. The, 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 you know The spider walk was one thing, but when she gets on the bed and she's just all jerky, made my wife very uncomfortable watching it. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people can't handle that, and I loved how Witcher didn't pull away from that. They just put that to the forefront. And kind of got right in your face with it. I thought it was a really solid way to start season two. You know, bring in, you know, showing the the development of the relationship between Geralt and Ciri. She's immediately put into danger. And you see how Geralt responds. He takes the Witcher formula. Eyes go black. And, you know, good luck beating him when he's like that. So I the thought it's about to- what's that shit was
3: about to go down.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and he p- quickly prevented that. So I love the episode, and yeah, you wonder at the end, okay, what the hell is going on with Jennifer and and uh, and the uh, Um So yeah, I thought it was a really solid start to the season. Um, they hit the ground running. Not a lot of exposition, <laughs> so to speak. They just hit the ground running.
3: Yeah, they they really did expect you to to watch those recaps, I think, and really wanted you to just jump back into the story very quickly and i think that's you know you you've known that the, if you were like a hardcore fan you could you could go back and rewatch it you had plenty of time to rewatch the series going into it if you wanted to i agree with you though the recap was really helpful Tunny, now that you're back with us unfrozen your thoughts on our premiere episode of the witcher
4: yeah i wasn't ready for the nilf and the milf gardens and things of that nature and the ambiance of what it truly is the show and i kind of Lost that. I just kind of remembered Henry Cavill being a badass and some guy singing re- being really funny, you know, and this was none of that to start this show. So <laughs> um, it was it felt more like, you know, uh, Game of Thrones at a time of war, you know, people really talking about the country and the north and everything else and the south and different parts of and who's betraying who and and who's actually uh, ruling in in a, in a poor way. But to get back to the characters and the story they told right away, with with where they, you know, uh, take shelter with with his friend, right? And and to see what that spell has done is really interesting. Like you said, the the bat lady who he called his cat, I thought was kind of funny, um, and the and the symbiotic relationship that they had as well. You know, he she kept him from being lonely, and and he convinced himself that letting her feed off of him would make her less likely to kill. But we could very much see that was the case um i i really like the moment when Geralt figure out that you know it, the reason these footsteps kept stopping is because whatever i'm looking for can fly um but yeah i by the end of the episode i was right re- re- ready to go again it's going to be interesting to see where they take it um but i i mean it, it, the whole story has to end with finding um uh, some future some some you know uh how do, how do I say it? Some grasp of a normal future for Siri at some point. She can't just be right. traveling around the country with Geralt for the rest of her life. It's got to be the end of this season.
3: Well, and here, there's a couple of things. Dave, I like that you pointed out the sort of the development of the relationship that's going on between Geralt and Siri, in that he I, he was a dad complaining about a teenager when talking to a horse. Like, when I don't want her to talk, she won't shut up. When I want her to listen, she just wants to talk. Like, very much what I see, like, as I look at a nine-year-old little O'Dowd and I'm like, man, that's going to be my future. That He's going to be just like me and I'm going to hate it. And being able to, to connect with that. The other thing that is important to keep in mind is – and you mentioned you know, the the search for Yennefer and that t- uh, Tissaia w- was was desperate to find her. Both Tissaia and Geralt have once again started to act under the belief that Yennefer is dead. Or gone. Like that's the word that was used. And this was one of the first times where Geralt actually seemed to act like he loved Yennefer, Like because he, he mourns that loss and basically says like I, I love her. And that maybe it's not because of the magic of a gin that that is keeping them together. So uh, that's the other, you know, the, the romantical like love story side of things and, and how that will continue to pull them together and rip them apart as we know that their destinies are tied together as is series. Other thoughts uh, from either of you uh, about the, about this first go around before we, uh, we head into our commercial. Oh, who the hell do we think killed took out all the the soldiers and left uh Yennefer and um, Oh God, I forgot her name. Cause I fragilla or, or whatever. Um, what do we think? What do we think that was? Do we think that's monster or something else?
2: probably something new that we haven't seen yet is my guess. Elves? Well, yeah, I mean Doms. when you watch that when you watch that recap, uh everybody hates elves, you know, that sort of thing. Maybe they are elves. Um clearly they have archery skills. Tackeye. Uh, well
3: those uh, were like spears. Those were like grappling spears on ropes, like yeah. just pull it away. I it reminded me you brought uh you talked Game of Thrones, but remember Lord of the Rings and Return of the King? And the two towers, like the two siege, now I know you haven't because you've never watched them, but like there's these huge battles where they're attack where orcs are attacking these castles and they're trying to like haul ladders up and they use these giant ballista with uh hooks on them with ropes to the end, and in return of the king, they fire one of the arrows and it like blasts through a dude. <laughs> and I was like that was what we saw just you know, these spears blasting through dudes and pulling them away and wiping them out. It was intense. But uh solid first episode of a second season to get people back on track. All right. With that, we are going to head into our first commercial break. We will have plenty more Witcher to talk about, as I do believe this is a 10 episode series. Our nine, am I too high? I think it's a eight it's eight I'm too high too high. I overbid. I would have lost on the prizes, right? I'm out. Drew Carey is making fun of my ass and I don't care. Cause what else? But when we come back. We're going to talk about the big reveal at the end of the episode five of Hawkeye season one, well, Hawkeye, the only season. And we're going to segue that right into our talk about Spider-Man no way home. And maybe we'll have an extra voice or two, to contribute to that discussion you are listening to bandwagon nerds here on the chairshot radio network a part of the chairshot.com
4: pwx over the top shine and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only 5.99 per month get your free trial today at
0: powerslam.tv go to powerslam.tv promo code chair shot get your free month again that's powerslam.tv promo code chair shot the chair
5: always use your head
3: okay so that sounds me that sounds means that i i was an english major and took speech in college it was very very successful But um, that sound means that we are going to jump into the MCU. Before we do that, I did promise an extra voice. We have one more voice joining us now on the bandwagon to talk all things Marvel Cinematic Universe. Everyone, please welcome in the voice of Chair Shot Radio, Mr. Christopher Platt. How are you, sir? Welcome back to the bandwagon.
1: Greetings and salutations, fellow basement dwellers. It's an honor, privilege, and pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me back on. Mike and Lee, Mr. Ungar, I I pray and hope that you had the greatest birthday and the happiest birthday in the history of birthdays, sir. And I'm just excited to come talk a little Marvel, man, with the nerds.
3: And we are happy to have you. By the way, Dave, you don't look a day over 436. I don't know how you do it. (laughs) Uh, is it a skin routine yeah it's it's, it's this a, uh facial
2: cream made out of spider serum that you know we kind of use here on the side that that helps a little bit and uh i I'm, I'm, I'm just i'm thrilled we have the president oh, of sure. the margo Kidder fan club here today so that <laughs>
3: And we might talk about some Margot Kidder a little bit later when we get into an argument. Uh, But before we get into Spider-Man, and this is your second warning, everybody. If you have not watched Episode 5 of Hawkeye or Spider-Man No Way Home, you need to stop the podcast now and fast forward about 30 to 45 minutes. Basically, if I could do a tag in the recording drop, that shows when the next commercial break is, I would I would have that up for you now. Maybe, Maybe we Dave, just
4: uh, hit catch that time and put it in the, uh, the synopsis. That's what I was going to
3: say. Dave, Dave if, if you could do that, you might just need to edit my post. As we know, you do all the real work, as we talked about in the first segment. But we are going to talk about um, both Spider-Man No Way Home and we are going to talk about Hawkeye Episode 5. But we're not going to talk about the entire episode of Hawkeye Episode 5 because when we talk about Episode 5 of Hawkeye, we we, we review Hawkeye episode by episode on the nerd review. Though Dave is pushing me really, really hard to do Spider Man No Way Home as a review instead because nerds like shiny objects and we got to talk about everything. And it'll probably happen uh, at this point. Um, Bless my heart. Uh, And and, and you.
2: Missed the second part of the suggestion to move Hawkeye episode
3: five and six to the following five. week. So basically when we would drop the six review, we drop five and six at the same time. So it's not exactly like we're throwing the, the timing off entirely. We're just making a slight editorial change. Seeing as I was not negotiable in the last little go around that nerds tried to throw things at me, I, I suppose this there's some flexibility here. So be on the lookout for that. What we are going to talk about, though, out of Hawkeye season five and or um, episode five, and and I know Tani hasn't been watching it because it just wasn't something that grabbed. Plat. I don't know if you have been checking out the the Hawkeye uh, miniseries uh, at all or not. Um, it's totally fine if you, you have been. So uh, excellent. Um, the the end of the episode, we finally get the reveal uh, of the the man pulling the strings for everything that's been driving the story in the Hawkeye miniseries. And we, it's been hinted at different points throughout the, throughout the season, a hand here, uh, talk of the big guy. Well, they finally revealed the big guy at the very end of the show is we got an image of the Kingpin talking to, uh, Vera Farmiga, who is also now revealed to at least be responsible, uh, for trying to get Hawkeye killed to, The extent of her her crime lordness we will, I'm assuming, learn in episode six. But it's not just that we have revealed the kingpin as the big bad in this season. It's who was revealed as playing the kingpin in this episode. And that was Vincent D'Onofrio. And if you remember, Vincent D'Onofrio was the kingpin in the Daredevil series. And to me, when I saw that happen, I instantly went to, one, this isn't an accident, Matt Murdoch slash Charlie, Ch- Charlie Cox is showing up in Spider-Man No Home, And sure enough, he did. Because now the door is open. And Marvel, Disney slash whatever had bought back those characters and those properties. And there was all this talk and the speculation about the Kingpin coming. And... Uh, I'll start with you just came to this first actions, The king being the big bad, and Vincent D'Onofrio. Did you watch the Daredevil series? Because if you haven't, you should. Um, that's the other question.
1: So full disclosure: No, I did not watch the Daredevil series. Perhaps I need to go
3: back. You definitely and, and need to go back. He really. He, neither of you have watched this. I haven't watched all of it. Some of it. He makes the series. Like he really is like Charlie Cox is good as daredevil. He drives the series. Like there's a reason that the clamoring for his, him, him specifically was such a big deal because like, and I like Michael Clark Duncan. I think he gets, uh, wrongfully maligned for the terrible daredevil movie and the, you know the just the latent racism of we can't have a black man be kingpin was stupid uh he played a terrific kingpin uh, a little more jovial than i like my kingpin but that's not a, an unknown character d'onofrio is the the kingpin of the of the original comics from like the 60s and on through and and he just he embraces that role so well and he gives a very famous speech um in his introduction to the character, it starts with when I was a boy and D'Onofrio on Twitter, when this episode dropped the day it dropped, he put up, uh, uh, just an image of Hawkeye of the Hawkeye logo. and just said, when I was a boy and to me, I was like, okay, so I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of doors that I think this opens, but I'm sorry. I cut you off, Chris. Um, I didn't mean to do that, but, um, Go back and he's used least, to it, I know, but like, go back and watch season one and season three in particular, because those are the two Kingpin centric uh, seasons of Daredevil. Season two, he's involved, but he's not as involved. So Platt, your thoughts of seeing Kingpin as the big reveal
1: it's it's like you you spoke up earlier, Pat. They clearly were alluding to this the entire time, and we knew. Similar to our next topic that we're going to discuss. We knew, but we really didn't know. But we knew if that makes Of course that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Y'all know what I mean. But um, having not watched the Daredevil, I do like that they're opening that door so that everything that has ever been Marvel in the history of Marvel in terms of cinematic, television, whatever, it's all on the table. It's all fair game. And that's exciting because the possibilities are are infinite. But having not watched that Daredevil, my initial reaction, while I was excited to see the Kingpin, I, I really enjoyed the Kingpin character a lot. I was a little underwhelmed because I, I feel like Kingpin needs to be a little more physically imposing. Because, I mean, if you go back to the comics, like, Kingpin is, what, like, 350 with, like, what, 4 or yes, 5% he, body fat? Like, he, he, you know, he's, dude. he's not just calling the shots. He will bitch slap you. Kingpin is basically Suge Knight. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was, <laughs> but it's okay, Teddy. He's in jail. He can't hurt harm us from from there. Okay, but yeah, I, I just wish he would have been a little more physically imposing.
3: So I'm going to reiterate: go watch Daredevil. He will. He will put all of those concerns to the side. I, I really, I really, I'm not just blowing smoke. Dave, your reaction to the to the reveal of Kingpin? Um,
2: between that. In Spider Man No Way Home, spread out over a couple of days, uh, I think you've seen a seismic shift in the Marvel cinematic universe because now, yeah, exactly. Everything that all those Netflix series now suddenly, you can make the argument they're now canon and they're part of the MCU, which opens Luke Cage, it opens Jessica Jones, it opens Iron Fist, it opens the Defenders. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But I think, you know, there's there's the possibility of that. So I, I will say this, though, that I will and I've been I know I've been doing pretty well with some predictions lately. I will be really surprised if you do not see Daredevil in Hawkeye episode six. Um, I I really think he's going to show up at the end of that thing, because why not? At this point, why not have have Daredevil just show up? Um, so I, I was you know, I it was one of those things like Chris was saying. He described it really well. You knew, but you didn't know. And with with Kingpin, it was like, you know, do I dare open myself up to hope that this is actually going to happen? Because, you know, in the comics, you knew, OK, Maya is Kingpin's stepdaughter or adopted daughter or whatever she is. Um, So, you, you know, and I, th- I said it in the review this week, you know, are they going to go down that route or are they going to stick with the Madam Hydra thing? Where does she's got to fit in somewhere. At this point but you know at the end of this whole thing You know it's it's Yelena basically telling Kate hey I know who hired Me and here you go So um, I thought it's It's a massive uh, It's a massive moment between that And Spider-Man it's really Yeah I mean AEW likes to talk About the forbidden door all the time yeah the Forbidden door just got open wide open (laughs) On the MCU
3: Helena
1: also Told Kate don't get fucked up Out here on no dumb shit stay out of my way <laughs> you know
3: right so i want to go back to I, i'm gonna go back to chris uh actually because you you reminded me of a conversation so i have a coworker, um and she and her husband i have been following this and and they're usually like an, a day or two behind me so i come into work on thursday and i'm like hey you know have you watched the the latest episode of Hawkeye. She's like, "Oh no, we got tired and we didn't want to. We went to bed." I was like, "Please watch it," and she's like, "Don't spoil anything." I was like, "Then please watch it." So she watches it. She and her husband watch it. They show up at a bike. So what'd you think? And she's like, "Yeah." And it was the underwhelmed thing. And I was like, "Don't you understand what this means?" Because. There, there's a couple of questions, and I, I got another buddy who's, watch, who's followed along and watched it too, and there's a couple of schools of thought here. Um, is it that they're just using the characters and not considering the series at all as part of the MCU canon? Like, and I think that's a possibility because there are people that really rocked the role. There are people that I would argue it would be okay to recast. I'm looking squarely at Iron Fist. Um, and I can't remember. I can't even remember the guy, Finn something, or uh, no, know his, his name? I don't Finn, remember his Finn name. Finn Balor, yeah. Cast Finn Balor as Iron <laughs> test There you go. <laughs> oh, sure. I can't remember the guy's name. He just wasn't like he was fine, like he was okay if, if, for for use of my own terms. The uh, the person who really needs to be brought in and kept is uh, the woman who played Colleen Wing. She was far superior in that series and was much much more compelling and interesting as a character. But if they if they bring in the Netflix Marvel shows as canon, then you know it's not it's not just that you would have Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones, um, and I'm again I'm going to forget the guy who plays Luke Cage. Uh, Tony, can I ask you while you're okay um, oh, since I know you haven't watched this. just can you effort who did who played Luke Cage in the Netflix series? Can I can I ask that of you? As you as you look at me all side eyed like, um, but when you leave off. So, Luke Cage left off in one of the better second seasons I've ever seen. He's ruling the Harlem underground.
1: Mike Coulter. That's
3: his name. Mike Coulter. Yeah. You stole Tony's Thunder. He had the microphone down and everything, too. He was ready to jump in.
4: Did you finally look at your phone as well, Christopher?
1: You know, Tony don't do no research and shit like that. Shut up. Who asked asked you to
4: come
3: on the show? You! <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Anyway, like when you when you leave all like these all these shows left off in places that were, were kind of exciting. It also introduces it. It also allows for the Punisher because um, we I think the Punisher is the forgotten Netflix series, which is actually really good. Uh, if you go back, and see if you go back and watch that, it got two seasons and and um, is awesome in there in that movie as uh as frank castle but yes if they if they take those characters and their stories it exponentially expands where the mcu can go on the street level hero and i think that was one of the big concerns we've talked about is there's all the, it's been all these concerns about marvel having all these cosmic level characters and if there's something that this weekend did is it Really brought some stuff back to street level heroes, including Peter Parker. And, and you know, at the end of that, at the end of that movie, um, we and we'll, we'll jump right in at this point. He's on the streets, like he is back to being the friendly neighborhood Spider Man. And so, with that, Matt Murdock, with the possibility of Luke Cage dealing with the mafia and and the underworld, this brings the Hand into play as a possibility this it just brings so much to to it brings in um Kung lung um over in the iron fist side of things so you know maybe that then opens a window for shang chi like maybe that's where they go is into that sort of side of things but we we took things out of the cosmic while having with with this with this episode and then of course getting into no way home and everybody here has seen no way home let's jump into it now last chance we've already spoiled a little bit we're gonna spoil more kids so if you haven't if you've gone this far you you just you've given up because i you know my i we'll just go around the room real quick and and a thumbnail so dave that means don't give me a, a 30 minute plot summary like you like to do when i say how did you feel about seeing the movie uh so hold it in hold it in uh I, abs- I I want to be clear because I, I think I'm in the minority here. I absolutely loved this movie. It is still not my, it is my number two Spider-Man movie of all time. I still love into the spider verse more than no way home. And we'll, we'll get to that at the very end uh, and it'll be okay. As Dave gets all tight lipped and is like, mm-hmm. um, but it is still an absolute home run of a movie It is still absolutely uh, a damn near five out of five. But like when we nerd reviewed it, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to get five from me. And that's going to make, you know, that's going to make people raise their eyebrows, but I still loved it. It made me cry twice. Like there were two moments in that movie where I, where where I teared up. And so I loved it, Um, but still didn't hit me emotionally and impactfully in the same way that Spider-Man into the spider verse did. so, Chris, I know you went first on um, the Hawkeye reveal. PC Tunney, you've been silent. You are about 45 minutes out of seeing this movie. Your reactions, how did you feel at the end of Spider Man No Way Home?
4: Yeah, literally got into my car and drove away from the movie theater one hour ago um, because I looked at the time on my clock. I was like, oh shit, I need to get home and plug in my headphones because we're going to be recording shortly. Um, I had a really good time. I did something that I haven't done since the last star Wars movie. And that's go to the movie theater and watch a movie and also drink soda and eat popcorn. So I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was really good. I'm glad I went to the theater and seen it. Um, I'm looking forward to what it brought us at the end of the movie, (laughs) but I don't put this up at the top of the list for me of all time. Great. um, Superhero movies. I think it's just another really, really good movie from Marvel, and I like the story. I think I like the story they told between the three Spider Mans over not only inside the movie, but it kind of connects everything outside of the movie that everybody bitches and moans about all the time. So that'll be my thumbnail synopsis of it. I'm glad I went, and uh, I would give it like a eight point two out of ten.
3: Dave, you you uh, you said it was your. And easily a top five superhero movie here. not said it was the best Spider-Man movie. Yep. So I know you loved it. Your thoughts walking out of the theater, sir. Well, Your feelings. I
2: think first off, anybody who doubts Marvel's capability to make tremendous movies just needs to shut the fuck up at this point. And, and just Marvel to pull off a movie like this with all these moving parts and have it make sense and to have it be as emotionally powerful as it was is a testament to just what the mcu is capable of i mean and you take infinity war and endgame in this and you look in the last less than five years you know you've put down three incredibly transcendent movies um my thoughts as to the movie i i I think it is the best spider-man of all time um it's it's Tremendously emotional in a lot of places And you know I'm not as Emotional as you are Pat but yeah it got Me in the feels in several places And I think The story that they told is really Really powerful it's really Good it expands the universe It creates possibilities And I you know I know we're going to get Into it more but yeah I just I left the theater Thinking to myself That's one of the top five superhero movies I've ever seen
3: Christopher Platt
1: To you, sir. So, Pat, I'm going to try to condense my thoughts here because I I know we're going to do a deep dive in here. And knowing you, you obviously – I know you have questions that are going to spark conversation. Um, Similar to Tunny's experience, I I initially watched this in the theater yesterday as we're recording on a Sunday afternoon. And it was my first time back in the theaters since All Hell Broke Loose, uh, the last movie Uh that we actually – saw in theaters was bad boys three and that was back in january of 2020 so that was kind of weird but then i i, I went back when, once we got she back home funny
3: bad boys three dude like
1: wow martin and will man martin and will yeah. <laughs> but uh so i once we got back home i also i pulled it up again to re-watch it shout out to nefarious means i was thoroughly entertained in the theater don't get me wrong i thought it was a fantastic movie. I liked it more on the second viewing than I did the first. I felt like the the plot was a little convoluted. It seemed to me that they had an idea as opposed to a movie. So what I mean by that is they were sitting around in the boardroom and somebody had the idea, hey, why don't we get all three Spider-Men in one movie? And then they wrote a movie based on that idea as opposed to vice versa if that i I, does that make any sense to anybody because i i do have an analogy that would help it make a little more sense if if it doesn't make
3: sense i I see where you're going there i think that (laughs) would make more sense than what you
4: just said why don't you start with the fucking analogy
1: Okay, so go back to to 1997 when Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker first wrestled. Shawn Michaels won the match, but it was because of outside interference. China got involved, Triple H got involved. So then Sergeant Slaughter said, "Okay, we're gonna have another match, but we're gonna make sure you melon farmers can't get involved." And then that's how they introduced the Hell in a Cell concept. So it was a match that needed a cage as opposed to now Hell in the Cell is an annual event and they just have a cage that needs matches. Th- this is how I felt. This was an idea that needed a movie as opposed to a movie that was an idea. That the, I, I oh. hope that analogy kind of drove it home. But sure. in terms but yeah, it was entertaining. Just real quick, man, and then I'm a, and then I'll shut the fuck up. But I'm I'm with you, Pat. I I I would put it number 3. As you and I were the resident Spider marks on on the pod, Pat, I would put it number three. Um, I still have Tobey Maguire's Spider Man Two as the the greatest Spider Man Two of all time. I think that's still one of the top five superhero movies ever, and the Spideyverse. I would put that in front of it as well. The the Miles Morales uh debut. I'll put this as a solid number three, but an entertaining movie. <laughs>
3: And it's interesting because for me, Spider-Man 2 just hasn't aged well, in my opinion. Like, as I go back and rewatch it, like, there's moments in Spider-Man 2 that I still love deeply. But there's also pieces of it that I'm like, oh, that doesn't mm, – does not cons-
1: – Bruh, that subway scene, it still gives me douche chills, man. Oh, yeah, or, it's one, or, yeah,
3: one of the great yeah. superhero scenes ever. And, you know, the homage in Homecoming of him trying to hold together the fairy – like, you can't tell me that that's not an homage to the subway scene for Spider-Man 2. This storyline, uh, and maybe this will help with kind of the the. does this make sense. This storyline is straight out of the comics in the um, in the one day more storyline, uh, in a sense, uh, in the idea that Peter Parker has to make a deal in order to save the ones that he loves and to protect the ones that he loves. because thought, in
1: that My bad. I thought this was the um,
3: oh. There, what's
1: the – I can't remember the title, man, but it's literally the comic books where he Peter goes to Doctor Strange and asked him to reverse time so people don't know he's Spider-Man. I cannot remember the name of the comic book, man. It's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember it. I didn't mean to cut you off, Pat. I apologize, man, but it, that's going to bug me until I can remember the name of the book. Oh, that, yeah, that's going to bug me.
3: In the wake of Spider-Man revealing his identity in Civil War in the comic books – Everybody like the the story then comes about of somebody attempting and nearly succeeding in killing Aunt May. Um Aunt May is assassinated. Peter Parker has to deter- it works to determine who's responsible. Um discovers it to be the Kingpin and that this image actually right here of him in the black suit facing up with the Kingpin is from that comic book. He beats the ever loving shit out of the Kingpin in prison after he finds out that the Kingpin ordered a hit on his aunt. Ultimately, he's not able to save Aunt may unless he makes a deal with Mephisto and, you know, drink, right? If you're listening somewhere, take a drink, uh, who undoes the revelation that everybody knows, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, with the exception of, uh, Mary Jane, um, who asks, to not forget she's actually the one who ultimately makes the deal on peter's behalf and nobody knows who nobody knows after that that peter parker spider-man they kind of take it back to square one and so there's been times throughout spider-man's history on more than one occasion where everybody's known who he was and then they've undone it so it's not unfamiliar but probably the most famous one or infamous one depending on how you feel about um about the deal with the devil sort of deal is is the is the one day more storyline with that's May the one yeah but that's it's that's mefif- the one dr yeah. strange dr strange can't do it yeah or that's won't the
1: one i was thank you, though. I, that's that, that's the the comic okay. i was referring to earlier yeah thank
3: he, you. he he tries everything he can to save Aunt may's life and can't can, and can't do it and and in this one you know we'll, we'll start with the questions and with thoughts again charlie cox Makes an appearance after the revelation as as a lawyer to 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 help give counsel to uh, to Peter. I loved the moment where they let you know who he is in just one quick little a uh, little way. Although I wonder why Piper's uh, spider sense didn't go off it when the
1: brick
3: Right through the window.
1: If you did, it did though. If you go back and watch it again, you'll see as Murdoch was catching the brick, Peter had his hand up too. You know what I mean? He did like it. it yeah, it, it went so, off. But uh, again, so this is
2: Daredevil's sensory enhancement is actually superior to or equal to Peter's uh spider sense, right?
3: I mean, that's yeah. Go, again, that's I, go hero, back and yeah. rewatch. it
1: flat. Was, go, it's a, flat in the theater. Yeah, go back and rewatch it. You'll see it again on on the no, second. I, I, this I is mean, the
3: benefit of I, a second view need to get Money to movie theaters to see this thing on more than one occasion. Like I took the little O'Dowd, so that meant I had to take at least one bathroom break. Uh, and, and I will go. I will go at one point. And I, while while I'm on this, what a, I, I loved the movie. One of the worst theater going experiences I've had in a long time. And the little O'Dowd got to experience his first like unruly theater neighbors. So there was a family uh, sitting next to us uh, with a child who was clearly too young. To be in a three-hour movie. And first of all, without getting pandemic crazy, this child is sick coughing one chair over. Like, I'm talking. <clears throat> to the point where the little O'Dowd put his mask on. And I hadn't noticed. He put his mask on and was like, oh, do we need to go to use the restroom? He's like, no, that kid over there is sick and he was like i want nothing to do with it and then he was like and that and that kid's mom won't do anything about it and then the kid is talking throughout the whole movie mom is Your kid is already more mature than 90 percent of america this mom is yelling at the kid threatening to take the child out of the theater if he won't shut up but won't do it if you're gonna threaten it back it up that's all i'm saying back that up because you are a worthless parent if you don't follow through Two, they, in order to try and mollify the child, gave them their phone to watch videos and the kid <laughs> kept having the sound of the video on. And then the mom would yell at him for having the sound of the video. I'm like, what are you doing? Don't take your kid to a movie if they can't handle going to the movie. Don't do it. Anyway, lecture over. <laughs> Matt Burdock was in the show, though, and that was very exciting because now we know that Daredevil is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Dave, your thoughts? I already told you my
2: thoughts. Hawkeye, episode six, baby. Uh, no, I think it's, it's great. But no, I think the part about this that you summarized beautifully was that this, the Hawkeye series and now Spider-Man No Way Home are shifting the focus back to these street level characters, which is so important because there are so many great characters that have to be in, introduced on a street level place and not so cosmic. I mean, the X-Men for all their powers are really street level superheroes in a lot of ways. Um, and, uh, you know, if they're going to bring them in then, then that's important, but I thought, yeah, having a, having a hero, like, and, and the relationship between daredevil and Spider-Man in the comics is so important. And now you look at the end of no, of no way home where Peter's on his own. And you got to wonder, okay, now if they move forward, is Daredevil going to take up that mentorship role for him and help him through this transitional period? Um, so I thought, brilliant stuff. I, I mean, it was the first, I say, big reveal, even though we kind of knew it was coming. Yeah, and, and, you know, shout out to D'Onofrio, Charlie Cox, Andrew Garfield, Toby Maguire, for all kind of downplaying their involvement in this project and doing the best that they could in this internet age, where we know it's impossible to keep anything a secret. And they did their best diversionary tactics. And even though none of us believed it, that's fine. But yeah, I think having Daredevil show up, Matt Murdock show up, big, big development for the MCU going forward.
1: Pat, do do you have a question regarding the Spider-Pop? And everybody on this call knows exactly what I'm talking about when I say the Spider-Pop.
3: Do I have any questions regarding the Spider-Pop?
1: Are we going to talk about the Spider-Pop, in other words?
3: Do you, go ahead and talk about the Spider-Pop. Tony didn't want to talk today, anyway, about the movie he just watched. Who, he didn't have gives,
1: who, who, who gives a shit what Tony has to yeah, say about that, anything? That's
3: true. I mean, I care about Tony's opinion. He, he, he's, no, so I, I, I know each
1: one of y'all, man. We all saw this in theaters, man. So when Correct. the Andrew Garfield reveal, I, I was a little ahead of the curve. I I knew where they were going with this, and I I turned to Amber. I said, Okay, that's not their Spider Man that they think it is. The the theater was a little slow on the second viewing because it was a bootleg copy, the theater was a little more hip and knew what was happening. I was surprised that Garfield got a bigger pop than Toby, and maybe it's just because he was the initial reveal. I think, but I don't know, like, and maybe this is the question to ask to this panel because we're all 40.
3: Tony motioned, "I'm not." Um, so we'll go to you first. Were you more surprised that what kind of pop did you have in the theater? Did you have a pop in the theater for for the Spider Man?
4: No, no, no. I was disagreeing. I was telling Chris it was it was the opposite in my theater. We the the, the theater didn't really <laughs> pop that big for Garfield. They popped for Toby Maguire big time.
3: For, I think right. for me in my theater, just to, to answer your question, Platt, for me, I think because he was the first of the two retros yeah. to pop through, that that's why he he popped in. Because then, so the first one, you know, like I think, honestly, I think everybody thought that they would do Toby first, right? Like mm-hmm. in, in my theater. So they're like, oh, and then they're like, oh, hey, it's Andrew Garfield. And then they flipped it. Uh, and Toby McGuire came in and they're like, yay, Toby. Um, and it got a nice little, you know, like you said, like a nice little pop as well. Uh, it was it was a good moment and it was a perfect way to bring them in and make some sense. Go ahead, Tony.
4: I'll I'll just kind of finish out my thoughts on, on the movie here and let you guys get into your uh, deep dives. And if I have anything, I'll add it there. But I went to the movie theater at I had a 950. a. am in central time zone. So 950 a.m. movie theater. Right. So it was about a 75 seat movie theater there was probably about 45 or 50 people there right when the movie ended 15 people about because i was trying to count walked right out the door and i'm like oh you're not even going to get the mid scene you and you and, and, and you know okay so, i don't
2: mean to cut you off but it's still ahead, shocking yeah. to me no, no. after all these that years, people leave yeah yeah like, don't you guys
4: know how this yeah. works yet what the and fuck's that, wrong with you and so so first we get um uh that what the venom thing right on the beach right Okay. And then right after that, the credits start rolling and people leave about 10 more people, 10 more people leave. And I kind of look over at this guy who's got his kid there and his kid's got his jacket on ready to go. And the dad's like, I'm in a dream. i I'm in a dream lounger theater for Marcus and you can recline the chairs and everything. Dad's still got his feet up. He's like, relax we got time <laughs> and i'm like this guy knows what's going on right so we sit there so i'm on my phone well during the credits roll because i know they're going to go through the whole credits they're going to give it to you at the end so then we watched it and we all got up and, and walked out so i on uh, my theater the crowd was great everybody reacted to what they were supposed to um a, a lot of people laughing i laughed at a lot of things i think i think there was a lot of uh nice little quips and and comedic comebacks throughout the movie so my last thought, and and it, and I'm just being honest with you, it's kind of what I thought when I walked out to the car I, I, and thinking about what am I going to say, like when I, how good do I think this movie was? Well, I, I like the 8.2-ish kind of rating out of 10. Maybe it's a little lower. It's definitely not a little higher in my book. But I really enjoyed the movie. I thought the opposite, Chris, that I thought that they had a story – that they wanted to tell that would bring all these people back together so that they could just move forward in one direction with with the spider man um that we're gonna get it within Marvel. I think Marvel did themselves a favor by the way this was told um but at the same time, I thought to myself, I don't think this was a better movie than the Snyder Cut,
1: oh Jesus Christ, the latter day Saints, we're okay, not yeah, going
4: there
2: you. we're not right. going I, there. I love but... you, Tony, but even I can't go with you now.
4: That's that's my personal opinion. But that, no, and, and that's I'm, fine and I'm, because and I'm, and I'm, this is, and some... I'm willing to have it, and I'm, and I'm not going to disagree with you that it. <laughs> Move this Patrick. man! Patrick. Move this Patrick. man! Patrick. Patrick brings a crate and barrel of muskets and gunpowder to a fricking war, <laughs> to a war with me where I got the United States military at my fingertips.
1: And <laughs> all I good. got is a no button. I, I'm, a, I'm the musket I, man. I'm <laughs> throwing rocks. I'm so, David and Goliath back here. All I got is a man. no button. Yeah. A so, musket so, man.
4: Listen, but you can. I'm not is, saying that my, my, I'm not saying my opinion is correct. Like I'm trying to like get to, get over on a, on a podcast, like a, a, whatever a pot is war or something but i'm just saying that's my opinion man
2: and it is subjective i mean anything about this is, is very subjective um you know like in my theater bakersfield's kind of lame you know as far as theater reactions it was a subdued reaction to all this
3: stuff oh, meanwhile they're a pro noah crowd what's that they're a pro wrestling noah crowd yeah exactly i like, like a couple of yeah, 110 miles
2: south of me in Los Angeles. The reaction is very different in the theaters to the appearance. I mean, they are losing their collective minds, but that's that's L.A. And that's they did the same thing when the portals open in Endgame and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I think it was it was cool I, to see them both come through. The one thing I'll say about Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire that that I did want to get out there is that so many people thought these were just going to be cameos by these guys they were heavily involved in the story as big a part of the story in some ways as Tom Holland was. So that was really awesome that they did that. But
4: but both willing to come in and put their egos aside and be the sidekick to the current and going forward Superman and that storyline
3: or Spider-Man even because that was a Spider-Man movie, not a Superman movie. So um, talking (laughs) about Spider-Man, you said Superman, dude. Uh, so you can just uh, there you go. Super musket away. And cool. it, here's my thing. There, Dave shared an article uh, right before I think it was you, uh, and may, maybe maybe it was Ray. I'm not sure, but it was talking about the effort to bring these these actors back. And it wasn't just Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. So I mean, there was Tobey Maguire. There was Andrew Garfield. You know, Alfred Molina, Willem Defoe, who was just phenomenal jumping back into that character and playing both Norman Osborn and the green goblin as if he had just walked off of the rainy set, like was just absolutely terrific. Thomas Hayden church was back in this movie. Jamie Foxx came back for this movie. I don't know if, if rice, he was actually, if, if that was like, if that was him or if it was stock footage, but at the very least, like we got him when they brought him back in that human form. I don't know if he did the like. I just couldn't tell if it was really his voice voicing the lizard uh, or not. Uh, I I don't know his voice well enough to know. Like he got casting credit for it, so that tells me that I guess yes, it was him. Um, you know, limited though he was in, in the role, but all of these guys. One of the things that they talk about though is that the producer uh, and who the queen bee and I can't remember her name right now of Sony Pictures. Uh, for the uh, for Amy, the Spider Man character, yes. Amy Pascal. Yes, that's that's the name. You're right, actually, Amy Pascal. She she made a point to say that these weren't just cameos. This wasn't just a five minute fan service sort of thing. Like, oh, hey, look who we brought back! Like Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire played a role, and between the two Spider Men that returned, I, I I guess, and I'll leave this up. you guess Andrew Garfield stole the show between the two of them too? It was really a uh, a redemption tour for spider Amazing Spider-Man Two, and they, you know, they made jokes at the expense of Amazing Spider-Man Two when they're talking about what are some of the weirdest villains you've ever fought. He's like, I fought a guy in a rhino robot suit, Dude. <laughs> Right. To to the uh, to to rescuing MJ, um, and and getting that little redemption and saving Peter's, you know, this Peter Parker's love in a way that he couldn't for Gwen uh being like this emotional like ball of goo like all the time like he like tries to be like i love you man and the other spider-man are like great thanks man that's awesome andrew garfield was terrific to the point where people are now like bring him back
4: yeah it's on twitter it's, that's a well, it, more, less or more thing it's interesting,
1: think- and that—that's that, why I brought up the Spider Pop thing because I'm—I—I'm I, I, I'm aligned with you, Pat. I think that he got the bigger pop, at least in my theater, because it was the first reveal. But I, I was asking because, well, number one, I, you know, because of my loyalty to Tobey Maguire. As much as I love Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire is always going to be my Spider Man. But because of my loyalty and love for the Tobey Maguire Sam Rainey series, I literally never watched either of the andrew garfield spider-man so i didn't know and maybe this isn't the crowd to ask because we're all 40 plus maybe it would with, within the next generations they feel about garfield how i feel about Maguire. i i honestly i, I really didn't know but i like how they had all the inside jokes and the, the a couple of breaking the fourth wall moments and that's one of the great things about being a marvel uh, mcu fan is that they reward your fandom because they do all these callbacks and these inside jokes that you know right. you know because you've invested so much time into these characters and into these movies, and I, I thought that was super cool. And every time they do it, I think it's super cool. They reward you for being a fan.
2: Yeah, I thought
1: WWE should, should learn that. Yeah.
2: I thought, um, yeah, Andrew Garfield. I, I I love the stuff they did with the with Andrew and with Toby because Toby McGuire's Spider Man. It's an older Spider Man. You know, he's been him and MJ have been married he, or something. He's just back cracked. Yeah, he's just back cracked. <laughs> which his but, 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 you,
1: Which was are another gonna- callback because Spider Man 2, He almost didn't do Spider Man 2 because he, he injured his back doing Sea Biscuit. So they even threw that joke in the movie. My back, my back. So again, another callback. Uh, Again, rewarding us for being fans. I apologize. Please continue.
4: Do you uh, do you have a suit to change into or you're gonna fight crime looking like a youth pastor? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: But I thought when when um Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, when he rescues MJ, which I did, you know, I thought that was gonna happen, that's one of those really emotionally powerful moments. Just his the look on Andrew Garfield's face where he succeeds, and maybe it's cathartic in some way in his universe. Probably not to the extent that anybody wants because, you know, Gwen's still gone. But I thought that was a huge moment. But he, yeah, I I tend to agree with you, Pat. Andrew Garfield kind of stole the show, which makes you wonder, you know, and it adds fuel to the fire. Hey, look what Marvel did with him in 20 minutes of screen time that, Sony, you couldn't pull in two movies worth with him. So I, I really loved what they did with his character. Toby was great as well. And, you know, in the end, it's, it's Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man who saves Tom Holland from being right. a murderer in, in a very powerful moment. And he almost pays the ultimate price for that. Um, so I thought that was, and you did, I love what they did there with Willem Dafoe, because you got to see Tom Holland's Spider-Man unhinged. And, you know, you talk about one day more, what he does to Kingpin in that. That's really what he's doing to the Green Goblin yep. at the end of this.
3: Very much. It was very much a call to that. So let's get to. Oh, how do I. How, where do we go to this? Um, let's talk. Let's talk villains first because we brought six of them. We've already talked a little bit about Willem Defoe. By the way, I love. Um, I, I was ha- I'm happy to admit one that I was wrong that it wasn't a second goblin in the trailer, that it was just the new look green goblin. But I loved the way that they brought that new look because it's little things. Like, it was such a tribute to his old costume, like, his original costume from the comics, that they took, like, this purple hoodie that eventually, like, breaks down and falls apart, but still has the purple hood as part of the look and the cover. And that's such a a, a defining look and characteristic. But between, like, most of the villains, but primarily Defoe, Molina. And um, sorry, uh, Jamie Fox. those three had pretty strong arcs and characterizations in the movie that was like really, really impressive. Electro getting his hands on an arc reactor and, and giving it like that was I, I didn't see that coming at all, like in the movie at all. I had no like did not predict that one. Um, But that was that was genius. And and just the way that they made Jamie Foxx like feel like his character be in touch with how the electrical grid was different in this reality than his own and paying attention to that to Dr. Octopus really being true to that, that Spider-Man Two character that Christopher Platt loves that Dr. Otto Octavius in that universe was a good man corrupted by his machines and that they were able to then undo what corrupted him. And then Willem Dafoe and Norman Osborne, the Green Goblin, just being that sinister, evil flock that he has always been to Spider-Man was was great. And Norman Osborne being the scared sniveling coward was was great. And all three of them on their own were terrific. But to, to bring them all into the into play, just That upped upped the ante in a way that I I really, really, really appreciated
1: and thought was great. Well, as much as I love Alfred Molina and it was so great to see him and but can we give William Defoe his flowers real quick? Because as reports have stated, the the, yeah, the the only way that he was willing to come back is if he was able to perform the majority of the stunts or basically all the stunts that he could possibly do. So, yeah, shout out to William Defoe. But this is what makes Spider-Man's rogue gallery so fascinating. I, I really think, it, with the exception of Magneto, his rogues gallery is the most fascinating of any of the, the Marvel characters because they're really the other side of the coin to Peter Parker. Because they're not bad men per se. It's just that some shit happens, just like some shit happened to Peter. And where Peter took that shit that happened with him and chose to, you know, shine light on it, or not shine light on it, but chose to perpetrate the good from what happened for him, or what happened to him, they chose the opposite path. So they're not really, like, they're shades of gray with those characters. They're not necessarily bad men, it's just some shit happened and it affected them a different way as it affected Peter. I hope that made sense, because in my head it sounded very profound.
2: (laughs) Before it came out, right? (laughs) Yeah, before it came out, yeah. Go ahead, Dave. No, I think, uh, yeah, the three... I mean, we talk about Andrew Garfield getting redeemed some by this movie. Electro probably got redeemed more than anybody in, in this movie, just as far as...
3: I think Amazing Spider-Man 2 got redeemed.
2: Yeah, it did. It did like, because, because again,
3: it's Spider-Man 2.
2: And again, it's the MCU. Like I went back to the first statement I said, anybody who doubts the power and the ability of the MCU needs to really watch this movie because look, they almost retconned Amazing Spider-Man 2 in the body of Spider-Man No Way Home and did it very well. So I, I think, yeah, Molina and Defoe's portrayals were so good because it was like like you said pat it's like they stepped right off the set of you know right moments before the green goblin gets impaled in spider-man one and then you know before doc ock actually is redeeming moment in spider-man 2 it's like those characters stepped right into this universe and didn't miss a beat and i thought yeah it's it's interesting that you know toby Maguire's peter is the one responsible for norman osborne's death in his universe. And he's the one who saves him in this new universe. So I thought the villains were great. The Sandman was, was an interesting character. Um, and he was kind of like a, a, you know, an almost an afterthought in Spider-Man three in some places, but he had a cool role in this one. And, and, you know, the lizard was just kind of thrown in there. You know, he didn't really have a big role other than a few places, but, but yeah, like I think Chris is right. As far as Marvel villains, the Spider-Man's rogue gallery is, is right up there. As far as the best in the Marvel universe, and you got to see many of them here, and and three really tremendous performances from Defoe, from Jamie Fox, and from Alfred Molina.
1: Did Did anybody else find themselves waiting for another villain to appear? I thought maybe they yeah. were going to kind of play out the Sinister Six type yeah, storyline here. So I was, yeah.
3: Comic book movies condition you. And that was one of those conditions like because we even on this podcast were like who could be the six like everybody was thinking Sinister Six and they just they never did it. And in true Kevin Feige fashion, he just didn't he didn't say there wouldn't be a Sinister Six, but he never said there would either. And that's one of the things that he's really, really, really good at, like. He doesn't give a shit if you talk about Mephisto every damn show that he has. Sure, talk about Mephisto. He ain't going to deny it. He ain't going to confirm it. Hell, even with Matt Murdoch, and I even I did this on Twitter. He did an interview a couple of weeks ago talking about Charlie Cox, and he was like, if and when Daredevil comes onto the screen, Charlie Cox will be in that role. And everybody's like, Charlie Cox is coming back. And I was <laughs> and I was the pump that breaks guy. I was like, he said, if and when, that isn't exactly a ringing endorsement. So now, of course, now we all know that it was, and we know why he said that. And we know, you know we know the timing of it, and, and we understand all that. Which, by the way, speaking of timing, no coincidence that we got a Kingpin reveal on Wednesday in Hawkeye and a Daredevil reveal in Spider Man. That That's why like, I'm so adamant that Daredevil's saw- showing up in Hawkeye Six. So many articles from, like, people who don't know what they're writing about being like, that was just an amazing coincidence. I'm like, you dumb, dumb writers. You're playing dumb if you don't think that wasn't completely intentional. Is Marvel has a plan. Like, seriously, Kevin Feige should go book wrestling because we would have yeah. continuity and storylines that would make some fucking
0: <laughs> sense.
4: Yeah, yeah, you'd bring up the... Uh- well, like you talk about the different people who got things wrong. It's kinda of like all the you know, the smart marks who thought Kevin Owens was going to AEW, you know?
3: Oh yeah, we were we were certain of it. Those but yeah, marks.
4: but I,
1: I just found myself throughout this entire movie waiting for James Franco or maybe even Jake Gyllenhaal to show up yeah. to, you know, make the I mean, cipher complete, so to speak.
2: Well and and I mean people but, are but, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, Pat. It was like when he, I, okay, I do mean to cut you off then. Thanks. Uh, no, so um, I what I like about this is people trying to really analyze the shapes when the rift was opening up near the end. You know, who yes. had, the silhouettes. What silhouette was that? Was that, Scorp- yeah, was that Scorpion? I, people, oh, there's the rhino. Yeah, there's Scorpion. Or, you know, there's this. There's yeah, there's somebody from yeah. Wakanda. Um, you know, so, I, and I think, you know, one thing we haven't mentioned in this discussion is talking to Dr. Strange, who was
3: pretty- We're going to get there. Okay. We're going to get there. All right. where, patience. But no, back to the rips, though, Um, you definitely I I only saw two like that. I was distinctly like, that's Rhino. Like, there's no mistake in like the shape with the horn. Like, that's Rhino and not uh, not Amazing Spider-Man 2 Rhino because he doesn't know. Um, Oh, Gore! Gore!
0: Gore! No,
4: not that one. No, not that Rhino. You got to relax,
3: Tony. Not the politician slash wrestler. And you distinctly see, and this was exciting for me, a Kraven the Hunter. Like, you distinctly see the outline of Craven the Hunter, who's one of my all-time favorite, because he's all-time favorite Spider-Man storyline. Uh, I'm sure there are others. I'm sure the Chameleon was in there somewhere. I'm sure that, you know, there were other iterations. Uh, like, I was surprised the Vulture didn't show up in this movie. Uh, that was the one, like, the Michael Keaton of appearance. Uh, I know, we know he's going to be in Morbius, uh, which... That's a whole other question for a different podcast, I think. But um, anyway.
1: Speaking of Michael Keaton, again, this is with the benefit of going back and watching the movie a second time. If you look, there's a a scene where they're at a newsstand and there's a People magazine up and they have an interview. This is after Peter has been revealed as Spider-Man. There's an interview with Vulture's daughter. Who dated Peter in Spider-Man: Homecoming? And I think the headline is like he's such a liar or something like that. I just thought that right. was just an interesting but Easter egg. I thought it said I did way.
2: Spider-Man. Was that not what? That's
3: not what it said? <laughs> but there, it's this is this is the other thing that's going to be great about this movie is that you're going to be able to go back and watch it again and again and again and again and again and, again and just see new shit. Um, that's what this movie is design is one of the grand designs of this movie, and one of my ultimate kind of quibbles and it is a quibble is that it's very fan servicey um and and that that is one of the things that for me like a lot of the fan service is good some of the fan service and i is one of my problems i have with like some of the jj abrams star wars movies is fan service for the sake of fan service doesn't tell a good story in my opinion and there are some moments where i'm like ah did you did did you put that in there because it needed was it necessary or did you just put it in there so the fans can be like, ooh, 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 and that's what we do. That's part of the part of the whole nerd thing. Like, and I get that.
4: Where do you it's draw the line, though? It's tough. Where do you tough. draw the it's a, line?
3: It's a tough line. Uh, that's here's like,
4: my example. Suddenly, we get to no, no callbacks, no nothing, no, no right. fan. Well, you know, big here,
3: here's my thing. I don't think that you should have no fan service in a movie. I don't at all. But I also look at there's there's there really is a limit to it all. Like, and and I always go back to the Force Awakens. And my biggest complaint about the Force Awakens is that it felt so much. let's go time. back there. No, no, we're not talking about my critique of it, jackass. I don't rewatch <laughs> the movie. Relax, <laughs> jackass. What I do, though, what I talk about it is, you watch that movie, and at first the fan service is is neat, like oh the Millennium Falcon shows up, and it's like great. But at a certain point in the movie, it starts to turn into okay, we get it, J.J. Abrams, you. Watch Star Wars a lot, and you put all these things in for us to to go nuts for to kind of prove that you're one of the fans too. And to me, where Force Awakens loses me is always the chessboard when when they're in the Millennium Falcon and something goes on with the ch- that I can't remember I can't even remember the moment with the scene, but it's like it's just it's dumb, it's unnecessary, it has no point. And you guys can laugh and think that I'm I'm over overthinking, but it just it continued to be moment after moment after moment of that in the movie, and it takes you out of the movie. It takes you out of the story. I'm sorry if you disagree with me, because you like that shit? Great. I don't. That's but, us,
1: but We're talking about a good movie here, Pat, so give us an example of what you mean in this Spider-Man movie.
3: Wait, is he, he called Spider-Man? Did you a lot.
4: Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Like the X-Men? No. <laughs> um, I would have really given it away if they called it Spider-Man No Way Home. Spider-Man.
3: Right. Uh I actually honestly, if I if I were gonna be completely transparent, um and I love him to death, so this is gonna I I got I'm ready for the heat. Too much Jay Jonah.
1: Yeah. But I like what they did with the character where they flipped it and he's like the Alex Jones of that of that universe and he's even selling supplements and shit.
3: That's that's what he's become in the comic books, is he's become that character. Um but, but, he, was but still, I, he was still Sam Raimi, J Jonah Jameson, and I wanted something a little different. That's like fair I man. Wanted I can't it to still be him, but I wanted it to. Ch- I wanted it to change a little bit. Like, and I know that's a quibble, and I know again, this is a small complaint I have for this movie. Not this huge, like, oh my god, this tore the movie down. But it's one of it's a couple. One of the one of the one one of the two things that really brought it down for me was some of the fan servicey stuff. And to be blunt. The second act's really boring like it's slow
1: I, the second act so not the third act when we get all the spider-men together because i their, their banter was probably the the best yeah, part the, of the, the movie
3: the, the, the build up the banner and the climax but the middle act there is, is slow it's yeah. slow it's not dull and i'm sorry dave you're, you're scowling at me um are, are we cool are we still friends after we're this? We're still friends. I mean, you ha-
2: you just had to inject the Force Awakens into this whole conversation. But besides Yeah, that, that was
1: that was unnecessary.
2: I was providing an example. Uh, I you know, I guess I could see the I could see the argument that the second act uh was a little bit slow, but they were building to something, and I thought, you know, showing how Tom Holland's Peter was so hell bent on redeeming these people that Doctor Strange was like, they don't need redemption, they shouldn't even be here. And the consequences of his actions there. So I didn't mind it that much.
3: I guess I it was treading water a little bit. Like at at some point, like you got to move forward and it didn't feel like they were really moving forward as quickly as they could.
2: When they did move forward, it was as dramatic as you can get because the transition from May's death to where we end up is hugely powerful.
1: But that's why I say that I thought that the plot itself was convoluted and that they had an idea and then wrote a movie based on that idea because it does drag, because it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. I mean, they spent the last Avengers movie. They had a whole-ass series in Loki. key uh, They touched on it a little bit in WandaVision. They also touched on it in What If? The consequences and repercussions of fucking with the Sacred Timeline. And, and, and fuck it with that. And then this kid comes and totally destroys the entire timeline. I guess you could say that's what's going to lead us into the Doctor Strange movie, you know what I mean? For sake but, of argument. Here's
3: the thing. I though, mean, he, but, is, but, he is making a point here. He, he is. like, that's a pretty good uh, he, point. It I'm is but. a good point. Yeah. But, but
2: you also have to understand Peter's been, Tom Holland's Peter Parker, has been influenced by his experiences with losing Tony, with the blip and losing himself in that whole thing. And, you know, how does that that experience colors his actions in this movie and i think that you know you can't you can't just so, kind of like over overlook that so but i get, but you're right you're right chris farmers, he does go yeah, and and inadvertently right, James, fuck let's, with let's, the timeline
1: listen because yeah, what's going to happen listen, when these farmers just, go back to their timelines i'm pretty sure no one is going to be wanted to murder I don't know. You know what me? This He's is just
4: play. another example of DC telling a story better than Marvel. See, I prefer it told as the Flash and not Spider-Man. And maybe yeah. that's why I'm not a big not Spider-Man fan. It. You can have your Iron Man and I'll take my Batman and I'll take my Multiverse and my Flashpoint. And you can you know, talk about it all you want. But it works on this side. okay? Our all double, the time. Self- We're going to have Feige and Sony me. telling the story. We got CW Roger. kicking some ass. Let's go, Grant Gustin. Woo, Flash fan club.
3: All right, so that completely useless diatribe was brought to you by one PC Tunney, Christopher Platt, and David Ungar, and we will now move. We got a couple more things that I want to talk about. Let's talk. Let's go post-credit scene first, Um, and we'll, you know, we we get the end of Venom. This actually made me a little angry because they set us up at the end of Venom, kind of implying that we were going to see something more of Tom Hardy in No Way Home. And then we get this door. I mean, it was it was a fun cutscene where he. <coughs> oh, excuse me, C- cough button.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, while Patrick O'Dowd gathers his nether regions, apparently something <laughs> burst down there. Yeah. Head on over to chairshot uh, <laughs> chairshot dot com and make sure you're streaming everything on the Chairshot Radio Network. And if you're looking for oh. a great tea, head on to prowrestlingtees dot com forward slash the Chairshot.
3: Oh my gosh, I'm also,
4: sorry. Are you okay?
3: I am okay. I was just like I think you guys got me salivating with all that you know rage induced DC Marvel business, and I, and I lost myself a little bit. For the record, we uh, didn't say anything about DC. That was all Mister Tunney. It was all Tunney, and we'll get to we'll get to those fights in the last minute of the show. But anyway, so I will say this though: shout out to the cameo uh, Ted Lasso's, and I'm going to forget his name, but he's uh, the Mexican soccer player is the is the bartender in Mexico there. The football is life guy, um, talking to Tom Holl- or Tom Hardy and, and Venom and kind of explaining to them all the superheroes. That was the other thing I loved. Like in all these other universes, there's only like one superhero, and they're like, "What do you mean? There's like tons of these people? Like what's going on?" Um, and it really was just there to set up the symbiote being present, a symbiote being present in the MCU and the Spider-Man universe. I. I thought Tom Hardy's Venom might be the sixth and he wasn't. And I know why he wasn't. I get it because there was, there was no connection to Spider-Man really out of the Venom movies. And that was why the way to move
4: forward. Is this, are we starting that? Is that where they're going?
3: I, yeah, I think the symbiote becomes part of this uh, in some way, shape or form. And people got all kinds of theories already as to who the symbiote is going to attach to and start. Well, I'm saying you talk about the six
4: and how that makes sense. Could that still be yet to come and this could be the start of it?
3: It's possible. I mean, it it would be a little too on the nose if Spider-Man six, because that's the other thing, is allegedly there's three more Sony Spider-Man movies coming. If the sixth one was a Sinister Six movie, I like I said, it's a little on the nose, and, and yet why not? Uh, but thoughts on Venom before we talk Doctor Strange or the a symbiote making its way into Peter Parker's life before we talk Doctor Strange.
2: I mean, it was a nice, nice touch on Marvel's part to pay back to Sony from, you know, what they did at the end of uh, Let There Be Carnage. So I thought good continuity, that sort of thing. But, yeah, it, it's, it just it goes out with a whimper because you're expecting, oh, right as he says, I'm going to New York, we're going to go visit this guy. Uh, then, you know, the spell takes effect and he's sucked back into his own universe, leaving that little pebble of him behind. So, yeah, I'm sure we're going to see a variation of Venom. Uh, It may not be Tom Hardy's. Maybe he doesn't want to do it anymore. And this was the way that they could get the symbiote into the MCU universe and not have to worry about him. So what
4: if it's the bartender?
2: Could be, should be. He's the only one there. Right. As far as we know.
4: I mean, the the opening scene, the opening scene is him wiping up the bar and it goes into the rag and it goes right into his hand. There you go. I I guess I'm done for the day. It ain't going to get any better for me. You guys have a good one. It's never been good for you today, sir.
3: Oh, no, proven part- that the the symbiote can travel from person to person, like that was one of the big points that they made in Let There Be Carnage, is that the symbiote goes from host to host. It has to find a host that can that they are actually symbiotic with, though, because if they don't, the host dies. That was the other thing that we learned in in Let There Be Carnage, because Venom inadvertently kills a lot of people.
1: I found the post credit scenes a little underwhelming, to be honest. It was uh, cool to see Tom Hardy there and. But that's just what it was, and yeah, they did set up the the symbiote being in this universe now. But yeah, overall, eh, I was
4: underwhelmed. That,
3: that wasn't that wasn't the wild post credit scene, though. It really wasn't. That it, wasn't supposed to. It, wild
4: you it. need to take an MJ approach to post credit scenes. You know, expect to be disappointed, you'll never be disappointed. I, I sure.
3: was, I, I was, I will say that yeah, I w- I was expecting more out of the Venom post credit scene. However, I can't. I can't agree with you on the doctor strange one. Uh, I love the taste of what we got. I love the characters that we got to see. Cause you got glimpses of not only that we're going to, you know, we knew that Wanda was going to be a part of this. We got our first look at uh, what is it? America Chavez. Is that her last name? Um, uh, her character who is a, um, she creates transdimensional portals, which sounds like a very useful thing in the multiv- multiverse of madness. Uh, Dr. Strange is going to pay for his sins, and we get our first look at the live-action "What if" evil Doctor Strange. Now, whether it's the same Doctor Strange or not, who knows? But we're definitely getting that dark one, and that's and morto who is the is is the ultimate rival to to Stephen Strange. And is, is is a great character and is played by one hell of an actor whose name I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to try.
1: Chidi Ettafois. I, I fucked it up, too, yeah. but I had to at least try. But that. he is
3: phenomenal as an actor and is a yes. great choice yes. for more. Go ahead, Dave. No, and, and
2: what's interesting is it looks like Stephen goes to him for assistance when everything's falling apart. And he's like, I can't help you. Now, we don't know all the all the details about that. But, yeah, I, I don't I don't think that anybody expected uh, the post the second post credit scene to be the multiverse of madness teaser trailer. So that was really brilliant.
3: That was a treat to me. Like, I was like, this is awesome. And I knew it was coming because, again, I'm not spoiler free. I totally looked that shit up before I went to the theater. Yeah, didn't no get me
1: moist, man. Not gonna lie. Didn't get me moist.
3: All right, well, take your dry vagina away from the microphone. <laughs> dry dry robot- yeah. robotic vagina.
4: It was, the, it was the Easter egg I preferred. I'm like, right, a huge fan of the WandaVision series and, and was wondering exactly what was going to be the way they were going to do that. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Are they, do, they said they're doing season two of Loki, correct, on Disney Plus? Yes. Is there any way that that one i mean one leads to the other the other leads to one there I don't Good. know you know multi I don't know
3: what the I don't know what the timeline is on the next season for loki I know it's just been announced. I would say one impacts the other though like there's just no way that they can't
4: um i don't know i I don't want to cut this short, but if we're not when we're done with this, I would also like to talk about any trailers you guys seen before the movie that we didn't talk about that that you. I know we, a lot of them we already talked about, to be honest with you. It was like, man, I feel like a real nerd for once.
3: I've seen all these trailers already. You're like, done, done, yeah. Um, I got one last thing that I want to talk about, and those are the two emotionally, at least for me, emotionally impactful moments. We haven't talked about Marissa Tomei mm. and May dying. Mm. And th- this movie ex- movie-going experience was a lot of firsts. For the little doubt, uh, he got his first rude moviegoers. Uh, the first time he ever marked out in a movie though was for Infinity War, and when Thor shows up in Infinity War, he stood up out of his chair with a fist pump, thinking that shit was it, and that Thor was gonna take care of business and Thanos was done. When Aunt May dies, he audibly, like he couldn't keep him, he couldn't keep himself quiet, like he audibly cried a little bit. And it was so sweet, yeah, and it, was, it was it was it was one of those things it was beautiful, right up until the end. Aunt May is trying to take care of Peter and and dies and and it's that's the the turning point that you know that that's when business truly picks up for the rest of this movie uh and, and takes Peter in a new direction as he's so lost after she dies, and it makes all the difference. For the other two Peters to come in because that's how they connect to him, that's how they bring him back. And you know, Marissa Tomei, mm-hmm. I don't think has gotten the credit and recognition she deserves for her role as Aunt May. She was introduced in oh, Civil yeah. War, and- especially from. Go ahead, Tony.
4: Oh no, I was just a quick quip. I was a callback to uh, my cousin Vinny. I was going to no, say, hey, especially hey. from the youths. <laughs>
1: Hey that's funny, but hey man, how I feel about Margot Kidder, that's literally the exact opposite of how I feel about Marissa Tomei. And we all have famous women that we we pine and lust over. For some reason, I, I don't even I can't even explain it, but Marissa Tomei is on that list for me. Amber knows about it, she gets it, she understands, it's all good. The, yeah, that wouldn't hit so me in the feels,
3: you, man. She's, she's on your exception uh, list we get so, it. Bro, and- Yes. Take the emotional yes. gravitas of Aunt May D- dying and talk about how we wish we could have had sex with her before she went. Okay, thank you, sir. She
4: she's still alive.
3: You actually. brought it to I talked about the you character. brought it to semi necrophilia. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what the I fuck? You the sick fuck? I'm talking about her character death scene, and you're like, yeah, I kind of want to have sex with with Marissa Tomei. It's like.
4: We'll feel there, bad there, again there. about throwing this show off track there over <laughs> there, there, there's no
1: kind of Dave, by the way Dave but Dave yeah you the one that brought up necrophilia
3: well
2: i think it was a hugely important moment for for tom holland's character because he never had i mean uncle ben correct me if i'm wrong but in the mcu version uncle ben really was never a figure i don't even think she was married to somebody named ben never
1: mentioned yeah. I, I don't think there yeah i don't think there was an uncle and so ben i he, think this is his
2: his yeah, uncle ben ahead, moment bitch. and he
1: learns by, about yeah, yeah.
2: how important uncle ben was from Tobey maguire's character for sure I don't remember, what did was there a Ben in and Andrew Garfield's universe? Yes. Okay.
3: Ben and both, yeah. Okay. You,
2: so, you
1: can't tie down Marissa Tomei, man. Ask Happy Hogan about that. Yeah, you can't exactly. tie her down. Well, she
2: yeah, wasn't and,
3: married to no ben. She's a free spirit.
2: And the Marissa Tomei portrayal of Aunt May is very different from the one of, like, Tobey Maguire's, who's the old, frail woman. It's the,
3: ultimate, it's the
2: ultimate Spider-Man portrayal. Who, yeah. Who, who's,
1: uh, yeah, the other Aunt Mays are basically Tweety Bird's grandmother. Right,
2: right. But I think oh, this yeah, one definitely. was... This was Seriously, the this
1: nobody was... laughed at that? Really? I thought <laughs> I that
2: was funny. Yeah, Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it, this was the moment where Peter got the with great power comes great responsibility wisdom imparted to him, which is very important for the character, the whole Spider-Man pantheon of characters going forward. But yeah, it's it's it was soul crushing to watch that happen to her because you know, and especially for Tom Holland's character, because he's still the death of Tony is still fresh with him. And now to have to go through this as well. Uh, is, is a devastating moment for, for the Tom Holland Spider-Man character. So yeah, it was, um, you just, you just kind of knew when she gets hit by that glider and yeah. And, and green Goblin, yeah, I was like, was- she's like, you know that, okay, she's not going to be okay from that. Um, and right. for a while you, you almost let your guard down for a little bit and, and think, well, maybe she's okay.
3: And, they, they tease it quite a bit. Um, They tease that maybe she's going to be okay, And then, you know, you just see that she's not right. And then to put a bow on this, Peter Parker's goodbye Um, at the very end. um, Yeah, saying goodbye to MJ, to saying goodbye to Ned. And, you know, that in itself was was sweet and it was sad because he knows he has to do it. But then when he goes back to the cafe uh, and he can't really introduce himself. Because he does, and he's choosing to let them live their life and not come back to them. And that was, it was beautiful. Like, I thought that was really beautiful. I thought it was really well done.
2: It, it, it goes and, back to, sorry, go ahead, Chris.
1: No, Dave, please continue. It
2: goes back to, you know, Toby Maguire's Peter Parker, who doesn't want to get involved with MJ because he doesn't want to put her at risk. And you feel like at the end of this one, Tom Holland's Peter Parker has come to the same realization. If they don't know, they can't be in danger. And I'm just going to let this go. Even at his own, you know, his own, own emotional heartbreak at the whole situation to lose your best friend and the woman you love and to go it alone or he gets, you know, he gets his own apartment at the end of this thing and, and he's embarking on a whole new arc of his life. Um. is yeah it was immensely emotional yeah the, that moment with may the end the goodbye and the andrew garfield thing um are the emotionally super powered moments that really other than you know tony stark's death natasha's death and i love you 3000 in endgame really these are the most powerful moments that i can recall seeing in a superhero movie
1: so again again a uh, benefit of seeing the movie twice when peter goes into the cafe mj is wearing that broken black she's still wearing that broken black dahlia necklace that he gave her so there's still a connection there somewhere but yeah but i like where dave was going because that's really the ethos of the spider-man character like he sacrifices his own happiness for the benefit of those that he loves and cares about and you know they went all the way around the block in this new Spider-Man to get back to where we know the character and how we know the character. He's broke, you know. What I mean, he's living in an apartment, uh, a shithole apartment. He's all alone. I think maybe one of the the the, the differences is as in, in as opposed to uh, selling his pictures to the Daily Bugle, he'll probably be selling pictures pictures of Spider-Man to uh, TMZ. Or media takeout or something like that to make ends meet but we you know we went all the way around the block and we got right back to where we know the spider-man character right, goes or ahead, what we know of spider-man if that he, makes he's sense
3: been desperate he's been like about to burst here so go ahead tony what do you got this is this is like
4: it speaks to your fan service thing, Patrick. And maybe there isn't so much moving forward because this is Marvel's way of creating a new Alpha, so they can build to their own Omega. That's what this was, in my opinion. As yeah, far as that, no, no, all the fans that every all the collusion and uh, confusion and dilution that happened beforehand now has been cleared, and it and it was done perfectly in my mind as far as the Spider-Man's uh, character goes.
3: Absolutely, because I think that that was the real question. And and where we'll end this is, the the question was is that it's gotten so big with Spider Man. Where do you go from here? And to to really do a reset in a way that made se- some level of sense. In my in my opinion, with this with this spell and making everybody forget, to know that there are connections there. Uh, and you know, Platt, you, you talked about the Black Dahlia necklace, but even as they're saying goodbye, she's like, I'm going to figure it out again. So, you you know it's just there's gonna be there's gonna be hints and there's gonna be returns, and like I said, this is a terrific movie. The reason, and we're, we aren't we aren't gonna go into some of the other like all-time stuff, but the reason that for me that it just falls a little short is out of Spider-Verse, to me Miles Morales is still the ultimate in finding himself, and his development and his in and his story arc and his connection with his family. And still, just the uh you're the best of us, Miles. Like that whole moment, and then with his dad, and all of that is so beautiful. It's so well done, and it's quintessentially New York. And it is on that lower, that smaller level scale that, to me, and I love Peter Parker. He's my guy. But that Miles Morales story to me still, still beats it. And and I and I just haven't. I, I I'm not. I haven't found. I didn't feel this unseated So, all right, guys, we have what, talked. Did not have to mention the, they did much on the, They did tease Black Spider Man. Did mention a Black Spider Man.
1: Yeah, I was going to bring that up and too. He, Shout out to if J- We J-B had Box. another
3: three hours to do this show. We could probably continue. Sure. Nope, nope, no, nope. nope, nope you, give Woman. Please. Just, just to
1: oh, d- get two Zayas. Just give me a couple, please. I, I apologize. Just give me a couple, okay? I, I literally wrote shit down for this. Let me just... Please. Dave, Dave uh, stepped on one of them, so that, that eliminates that. Uh, number one, uh, you know, uh, to canon, when shit goes left, Wong's gonna dip. That's That's been pretty consistent throughout the uh, the entire MCU. When shit goes bad, Wong's gonna get up the fuck up out of here. Um again we, we talked about the black Spider-Man. I, I love the interplay between the three Peter Parkers because they're literally the only people that can relate to each other on that level. Like they're literally the only people that can relate to what the fuck they go through. I thought that was super cool. And just real quick, we reset it and we got back to where Spider-Man, how we know who Spider-Man is. And shout out to Amber because she actually named the next Spider-Man movie, which is uh Spider-Man. Ain't got no home.
3: Yeah. Well, all right. Well, and on that note, we are going to close the discussion on Spider-Man No Way Home and take our second commercial break. Before we get to our recorded commercials, it is my duty to remind all of you that it's the holiday season. And if you have a chair shot radio fan in your life that is not decked out in swag, you need to head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and get them Probably a late holiday gift at this point, but a chairshot.com t-shirt. We got all kinds of great stuff out there at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chairshot. Shirts like the one for this very show that I'm wearing while we record here, Bandwagon Nerds. Things like sayings from shows like hashtag journalism, Baron Corbin sucks and the like, as well as all kinds of logos and just other thoughts that we have at the chairshot that we think that you should share as a member of the chairshot.com community. So please head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chairshot and get a shirt. Remember, they're only $19.99, but if you really like that person that you're getting this gift for, spend a few dollars more and get it soft style. Make sure they get a shirt that feels nice on their giblets. It's very, very important, and they'll appreciate you even more this holiday season. Once again, that is prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chairshot. When we come back, Week two of the DC Marvel Decathlon. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. cheershot.com
0: This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, Podcast galore everything pro wrestling. make sure you check it out thechairshot.com
3: Now marching on to the field as we begin week two of the DC Marvel Decathlon. Marvel has taken an early lead here amongst the bandwagoners as they have a five to three point advantage. For those of you who have forgotten, last week we discussed and Marvel dominated the Um, social media slash convention footprint with a three-to-one victory, and then in a surprising twist, a two-to-two tie in printed comics. And the surprise was that Patrick O'Dowd went with DC having the stronger printed comic uh, history, and Dave Dave, uh, went Marvel. (laughs) So there was a little bit of flip flip there, and uh, PC Tony felt betrayed. A little bit betrayed by Dave there uh, on the call. Sorry, Dave. Um, this, week, this week's competition will be between uh, a couple of new categories. I forgot to update the the uh, the um, the second category, but the first one we're going to talk about is who is superior in games and animation, or in mean, games. Second category is animation. I was stupid and put them both under one bullet. So please ignore the noise while I type. But a little bit of surprise. Platt, are you up for the challenge of adding your votes to this conversation?
1: I'm here, so
4: do I have much of a choice, sir?
3: If you want to say no, I've got raised votes. Uh, as well, Patrick,
4: he's them. he's full of shit. He knew this ahead of time. Yeah. Just ignoring He him. needs no. to
2: participate. You need your participation Nobody. trophy, Platt. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody
1: has, Yeah. Future bike. Future mic, sir. So right. in whatever. the interest of Mr. time
4: whatever I'm Mr. Gonna- whatever, Mr. In- whatever Mr. Dream Pie
3: Ray Cash cast I'm his vote free. for DC in both categories. We are going to start by talking about games. Now what's interesting is that the question came up last week and I I'm willing to bet money none of y'all thought of anything past video games but we did ask if this was games as a vague descriptor or if it were video games dave's pointing at himself because he he just he won all the credit today man like you are looking for some glory it's you know it's the cm punk pay attention to me gif that's what i'm seeing right now is david (laughs) ungo all right so we were we are going to start today we're going to talk games we will do the rotation this way uh we will start with tunny Then go Dave, Christopher Platt will be number three, and I'll be number four. And then when we get to animation, I will go first, followed by Platt. uh, Then Dave and Tunny will wrap it up. That way, who goes first will go last in the second round. Uh, So, Tunny, to you, in the category of games, who is superior? DC or Marvel?
4: I do don't necessarily remember any marvel video games of supreme significance, but I really? pretty fairly remember oh, it, you'll get your chance to turn. talk young man this is not d w i or three man weave
3: i'm <laughs> not-
1: I'm just excited you called me young man, so I will shut the fuck
4: up and allow you to speak because I'm flattered, oh uh, yeah, in this company, I am the young man don't forget it, but I do remember uh, a lot of uh, hoopla surrounding multiple Batman video game releases so I think uh, I'm gonna just rely on that and uh, move, move move along we can move along you know my points go I'm uh, here listen both my points are going to DC today there ain't much argument over here I mean I, you really can't not convince me on this track either side
3: fair enough also,
4: also, DC is the only one that's worked with uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, who have one of the greatest video games of all time. So,
3: all right. Well, by that note, then I will mark you down as DC, and DC has taken a two-to-nothing advantage over Marvel. David Ungar, uh, I'll just we're tied t- 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 five.
4: Hopefully, hopefully not for the last time. I wanted to get this thing re-tied up at some point here. I appreciate you counting them both.
2: You're not even going to let me this explain this, time. are you, Pat? You're just going to give me the point, you know. I've just started to assume because you're a DC mark well, that you're going to Yeah, that worked out well last week, didn't it? Um look. It, uh you know, I did consider stuff other than video games. And if you're talking board games, um uh, Marvel's got the clear advantage here because they've got two really good deck building card-based games in Legendary and uh Marvel Champions. And the DC deck building game is good, but not on the same level as Marvel's. Um you know, the only mobile game that I play is Marvel Strike Force, to be honest with you guys. And and the DC, just... the DC variation of that game is vastly inferior to Marvel Strike Force. That being said, though, let's be honest. Video games are a huge juggernaut of an industry. And when you get to the subject of video games, and, and, and I'll, I'll dispute this with you, Tony, that I think Spider-Man was an excellent video game that came out. Guardians of the Galaxy is not bad. Avengers was disappointing. But when you get right down to it, there are two franchises on the video game side that swing this to DC for me. One is Injustice. And, you know, the Injustice series, they usually you see stuff happening in reverse where a comic creates the content and then they do a video game based on the comics and then they do movies based uh, off of that. This injustice is the only franchise I can think of where they created an entire comic story arc around that story because everybody says, oh, Superman's too much of a pussy. And they create this story where he's the exact opposite of that. So I think the impact of injustice and it has not translated to the, uh, you know, to live action very well. It's been very confusing when they've introduced anything Involving the Injustice story arc to the live action. And then Tony mentioned it. The Batman Arkham series. Really. They had not done very many good superhero based games. They'd failed miserably in a lot of places. And then they captured the essence of Batman in a video game and turned him back into a detective. Which was extremely hard to accomplish. And those games are some of the best games I've ever played. Like I think it was like ranked in the top 20 of my all-time video games. The Batman Arkham series. On the strength of those two franchises and how, especially Injustice, how it's led to we're going to create a whole comic line based on this video game. And now we've got a animation that we're going to create on this video game. I, I mean, I think Marvel's done okay with some of their games for sure. I got to give it to DC though.
3: All right. So now the score is three to nothing with Christopher Platt coming in. Your opinion on Marvel DC games, the superior brand, sir
1: as much as i hate to admit it i have to agree with everybody else on this i mean i as much as i enjoyed the x-men game from like 15 years ago batman is the greatest detective you know not named sherlock holmes so those games are going to be more entertaining and more they're they're just going to be better when they get to the the root and the essence of Batman, which is as the world's greatest detective. So yeah, I got to go DC here, man. I'm gonna keep my thoughts very brief. I go DC here in terms of video games.
3: Fair enough. All right. Well, I am going to go with Marvel with a point and I will give you my reason why one, I've never played injustice or Arkham, any of the Arkham series. So I have no frame of reference there though. I don't disregard their, their importance. However, let me explain to you the plethora of games that I think are just as phenomenal and wonderful. You mentioned two of the board games, Dave. I will also add um, five minute Marvel, which is a fun deck building card game that my son and I play all the time where it's a, it's basically a party game with friends where you're given bosses and you choose the hero and they each have powers and you try to defeat the boss and you have to defeat every boss within five minutes. If you don't, you don't, you lose. It's a lot of fun. Good thing to play. Um, and in the history of, of like video games, since I, I've been playing video games for I'm you know, 43 since I was five, so let's talk about 38 years worth of video games. Um, Sega's X Men game, uh, Nintendo's um, Spider Man and X Men team up versus arcade. Uh, Sp- the Spider Man video game franchise. In the PlayStation, um, from PlayStation One into its current iteration, really had a big hand in introducing open-world gaming to video games. You, as I remember, it was the first time you could actually explore the streets of New York, and and really just kind of go wherever you wanted to do, and sort of fight crime wherever you wanted to to fight crime. And they've really built on that with the Miles Morales stories and with with all of those moving forward. Marvel Ultimate Alliance. There's three video games in that franchise, which are RPGs based on kind of the almost like playing. It's like playing an MCU movie, uh, like one of those big cosmic event MCU movies. Uh, and they did one based on Civil War that starts out as Civil War, but then kind of breaks away and gets into some weird nanite technology thing. that doesn't make a lot of sense, but the game is uh, thoroughly fun. The original one is dynamite it's awesome you battle dr doom as he tries to unravel the universe under at his control and like and those are just the games i know love and i'm gonna I, you talk fighting games marvel versus capcom was the fucking shit in the 90s and early 2000s and when you can play those games fucking rock and if you go to any retro arcade and you can find that console there's always a line To play that game. Dreamcast baby. Dreamcast. Sega Dreamcast. Marvel versus Capcom. Like when they. When they make ports for that game. Available for download. The X-Men arcade game. That was played on the same video game engine. As the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Where you could be Wolverine. Cyclops. uh, Colossus. Dazzler and all that. Emma Frost. uh, And then Dazzler for some reason. Which was the dumbest thing ever. Like Dazzler. Because of the 80s. Ah i'm sorry i love it and i'm gonna be you can say i'm biased because i am um and i will also say dc has one of the worst video games ever made in history superman
2: superman 64
3: it's fucking let's fly through a bunch of rings you really want
2: me to
4: do you really want me to find like five more plus marvel games that were equally as bad or way worse
1: Nobody wants you to do anything, sir. You are the studio audience. You sit there, and you applaud, and you boo
3: as directed. Your DC company got four points, Tony. It'll be okay. And I've got a sneaking suspicion they're probably going to clean sweep in the next round as we go to animation. Oh, no. Oh, teaser. So we'll go to animation, and I am going to give DC the point. But it was harder than people think because – Again, this is where history comes into play. I can't deny things like Teen Titans, Young Justice, Teen Titans Go!, Harley Quinn. I can't deny DC movies. DC has, DC animation, in terms of just entertainment that they put out, it's just always been strong. And Marvel, particularly recently, has been really hit or miss. What made it hard for me was X-Men, the animated series. Um, Actually, all three of the X-Men series, X-Men, the animated series, Wolverine and the X-Men, and then there was uh, a third one that was along those same ones like, um, oh, God, X-Men, like the new generation. They were like high school kids. Uh, I can't remember. One of them came before the other. Really, really good. uh, Late 90s, early 2000s. Spider-Man, the animated series in the early 90s. Uh, You can't tell me that you don't know the 1960s Spider-Man cartoon theme song. Everybody. Spider-Man, Spider-Man
1: Does whatever a
3: spider can Now, that all being said Super Friends Like, as much as that It did not I it did not age well Like, I went back and tried to watch Super Friends not too long And, no, you can't do it It's boring Like, it's a boring show But back in the day, like Form of Ice Dragon Like, I was in uh, Even though the Wonder Twins are trash But, I just think that that animation, current like, and I think Marvel's been on an upswing in recent years, especially with the ascendancy of the Avengers. There's been uh, a resurgence of Spider-Man games, or I'm uh, not Spider-Man, Spider-Man cartoons. Uh, the problem with uh, Marvel is they've never kept anything long enough to be con- to have good continuity. And if you go on the DC side, you know I named off a lot of the stuff. The Batman animated series was in the in the late 80s, early 90s. That really kicked off the big wave of comic book animated. Animation. Uh so I my point is to DC. Christopher Platt.
1: As much as I loved Batman, the animated series in the early nineties and the the uh, animated movies that DC has done with Batman since then, and the new cartoons, like DC clearly has the edge recently. For whatever reason, Marvel hasn't been able to recreate their magic. But there's nothing. And I mean absolutely nothing that neither DC nor Marvel has done that has surpassed the 90s Spider-Man, the animated series, and X-Men, the X-Men, the animated series. Neither company has been able to recreate that magic that they caught in that particular point in time. And for that reason, I've got to give Marvel the edge here. (sighs) all
2: right (laughs) i guess what's
1: what's better than x-men the animated series man come on
2: now all right in in the 90s yeah um look this is a similar conversation to the one that we're gonna have when we get to live action movies in reverse because with all due respect to the stuff you just named christopher and everything that patrick named the x-men series i mean i grew up on super friends Uh, Batman Beyond is an underrated as fuck animated series. I think Justice League Unlimited is underrated as well. All that is one thing. Um, When you compare anything that the two companies have done and you look at the DC animated universe, they're up over what, Tony, over 40 movies now, I think.
4: Oh, at least. I thought it was 50.
2: I don't know. I mean, they're approaching 50. 90% of that you can say is good to great. And very little has been crap. I don't even know if crap is a word. What they did with the killing joke is one thing. You know, they flipped things around and people didn't re- respond to it. And Injustice got very mixed reviews. But when you look at the, I mean, DC animated universe is the animated equivalent of the MCU. And I don't think anything that Marvel has ever done can touch that. I mean, if all due respect to Into the Spider-Verse, which is a tremendous movie. And What If was hit and miss and pretty good. But when you weigh that up against the tidal wave that is the DC animated universe, it's like in Deep Impact where the father and daughter are standing on the, um, you know, standing on the, (laughs) on the shore and a tidal wave is coming at them. It's like, and that's the same conversation we're going to have when we get to movies. When we talk Marvel versus DC, I think I got to give it to DC just on the strength of that. I, I can't, I can't ignore The fact that DC Animated Universe is just phenomenal on so many fronts and just keeps putting out tremendous content that, yeah, all the other stuff that came before it and the stuff that's going on right now doesn't match it. And I got to give the point to DC on the strength of the Animated Universe alone.
1: PC. So give give me one thing that they've done that is better than the X-Men, the animated series.
2: Flashpoint Paradox. You want me to go on? Flashpoint Paradox, I still say, is better than Into the Spider Verse to this day. I still Mm. say that is a better movie. It's the greatest animated movie I've I've ever seen on a superhero basis. Um, Injustice was tremendous. I like, you know, like Justice League New Frontier was really good. I've been going back watching some of the animated stuff. They've done some tremendous animated stuff that is uh, incorporating all these great stories into the DC, um, into the just comic book lore. And attach that so so much so that so many of us have said, "Why can't you guys just do this with live action? Why do you have to fuck around and do all this stuff? And why can't you get it? You've done it in animation. Why can't you do it in well, live
1: action?" Well, two words, and I'll I'll use Pig Latin. I'm not even going to use Pig Latin because I've been drinking Zack Snyder. That's why they can't do it in live action.
3: All right, all right. So <laughs> Tony gets his turn. We've got a three to one score for Marvel. Tony, I've already put your point into DC. Tell us why
4: we got a three to one score for DC. You mean not Marvel?
3: Yeah, I'm sorry. Not Marvel. You're correct.
4: That's okay. Just, just making sure I, I mean, Chris, you're, you're, you're right on with the highlights for Marvel and, and Patrick and, and Dave even more so has just shown you that the, the highlight reel is, is much, much longer on on the dc side than it is on the marvel side and there's one thing dc we haven't even mentioned that isn't that 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 i would consider animation as well and it's a joke when i say it and it's also a point for dc and that's lego if you if you break
1: up that fucking lego movie so help me god
3: all right he's uh, got a point that's true all right everybody hugs not drugs hugs not fights we'll be okay you guys can take it out on your other podcasts where you yell at each other all the time. What that does mean is that DC had a huge one? day today. You pick it. It'll be you, you, it's like it's like, you know, family drama on the holidays. What that does mean is that DC now has taken the lead in our current tally as they go up 11 points to 7 here in the Marvel DC decathlon. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up real quick the categories for next week, which will be Marvel and DC's uh, movies, who has the superior films, and inclusion. Basically, diversity, socioeconomic status, representation matters.
1: If Marvel don't win that shit, this shit is rigged. Isn't it it 9 to 7, by the way?
4: It's 9 to 7.
3: No, D. Uh, oh no, Mar. Uh, DC had three points last week. Eight plus three
4: is eleven.
1: It's still rigged, and two plus two is two. <laughs> didn't Didn't they have six? <laughs> I, thought
4: we, I thought I thought Ray, it was Ray, I thought it was oh, all Ray Ray's points. You... Ray cast votes. Oh, okay.
3: So I okay, gave. So I D gave the...
4: drew for DC on Ray side. Okay. Didn't, right. No, I. Uh, Wait,
3: I... Platt, if you'd like to include your voice in the previous categories, nope. Sorry. Um anyway.
4: I it might be fair Thanks though. Thanks a lot.
3: Actually you actually make a good point. No, I, I because now we've got on a vote of five as opposed to a vote of four, it's, it does make a difference.
4: Right. Maybe we should it, whether or not he shows up to any of the rest of the shows or maybe he commits to them. I don't know what your ideas are, Patrick, but my he, suggestion well, early pitch Patrick he, would be let's get the previous vote and keep it, you know, sustainable throughout I, each
3: category. I, 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 I I actually like that. You know, as I thought about it, I kind of, I want to walk back on my initial notes. So Platt quickly, because I I do want to get to the tail end of the show. We are running a little long last week's categories, uh, were print comics, like which had, which company do you think is superior with print comic, uh, comics and then, uh, social, social media footprint and convention footprint, like those kind of combined into one category. So, You get to give a point to each of Marvel and DC, and I'll add that to the total tally. So that kind of keeps things fair and on an even keel.
1: Print, don't you have to go Marvel? Because, I mean, Marvel was talking about social issues before it was cool to talk about social issues. And, yeah, so I go Marvel, print, and in terms of uh comic and, and whatnot, I go Marvel there too, man. How many Hulks and Iron Never Man mind. and Spider Man and X Men do you see, as opposed this to Superman
4: and Batman? You're enough shit already, Chris, just So there quiet. you go. This is yeah. nobody
3: asked you, Tony
4: trivia. trivia.
3: DC. in right face. like, "Oh, it totally blew up in your face, Tony." Boom. Dude, I was like, Tony made this decision, and I, I, I embraced it, and then, and then yeah. it happens. So, gentlemen, that brings us – we're not going to do a Patrick's Pitch this week. Instead, I'm just going to play you some words of wisdom, and we're going to have a quick little conversation. Where do you think you're going?
1: Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're all in this together. This is a full-blown four-alarm holiday emergency here. We're going to press on, and we're going to have the happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny fucking K. And when Santa squeezes his fat white ass down that chimney night, he's going to find the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the (laughs) nuthouse.
3: I went back and forth as to whether to use that rant or the rant after he gets his Jelly of the Month Club bonus. But, gentlemen, this is our last episode before... Three of us celebrate Christmas. I don't know what Dave does. What do you, What do you do, Jake? Are you, are you like Kyle Brofosky? Um, Is it hard to be a Jew at Christmas? Yeah, it's Christmas,
2: Christmas, Kwanzaa season, man. That's that's what Chris it's Mahana, all about. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Dave, so,
1: Dave well, goes to the uh, Chinese restaurant on December twenty fifth. Right, <laughs> <eats> Chinese turkey <laughs>
2: man. The
4: duck. Love The duck.
3: So even I because we are heading into uh we're not gonna we're not gonna record on a holiday this is the last episode before the Christmas holidays gentlemen this scotch which is a 12 year old American oak reserve Belvini um, is to you fellow bandwagoners that you can't see because it is blocked out by my good friend the kingpin so I'll do a full like wraparound drip happy holidays gentlemen I have, nothing,
2: I have nothing to drink, but happy holidays, fellas.
3: And happy holiday, happy holidays to all of you bandwagoners out there that listen to us day in and day out now for 110 episodes. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Before we go, let's do a once around and let everybody know where they can find us out there in the interwebs. And we will kick off this week with a lawyer, David Ungar.
2: First, what's, it's 11 to 9 now, right? That's the tally.
3: 11, 11 to ten. Eleven to ten. With Platt's points. Oh no, eleven to nine. You're right. Yeah. It was eleven to. Seven. Now it's eleven to nine. Eleven and nine. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, you can find
2: me on Twitter at attitudeag and on Facebook.com/slash attitude of aggression.
3: Mr. Platt.
1: Thank you guys for having me. I'm sure I'll be back soon. But uh, Merry Christmas not- to everybody. Happy holidays. All that good shit. Y'all can find me on Twitter at the real C Platt. And again, man, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
3: Mr. Tunney.
4: Yeah, I'm thrilled you showed up, asshole. Uh, thanks for coming Shut on. Shut
3: the fuck up.
4: Mute his mic, Patrick. Mute
1: his mic. Nobody <laughs> give a shit Bye. where they can find him.
4: <laughs> you can find me at PC Tunney. Please continue to listen to everything on the Chair Shot Radio Network. And, uh, yeah, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the shot.
3: Excellent, thank you. And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E S T L N G R E A L I S D. You should also follow the Bandwagon Nerds Twitter account at bandwagon nerds. And if you don't like the results of the bandwagoners votes in the DC Marvel decathlon, well, that's okay. You get a vote too. Currently, Marvel is leading DC two to nothing as the people voted marvel as the winner in both of the polls we will do one poll on monday we will do the second poll on wednesday vote it up and tell us who you think should win in the marvel dc decathlon thank you again everyone for listening i hope everybody has a wonderful holiday until next week for PC Tunney, David Ungar, and Christopher Platt, happy holidays. We missed you today, Ray Cash. We look forward to having you back on the show. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com.
5: The ride, oh ben. wait a minute, Peter. We uh, we need to talk. Well, we can talk later. Well, we can talk now if you let me. But what do we have to talk about? Why now? Because we haven't talked at all for so long. Your Aunt May and I don't even know who you are anymore. You shirk your chores. You you have all those weird experiments in, in your in your room. You you start fights at school. We I don't didn't know. start that fight. I told you that. Well, yeah, you sure as hell finished. What was I supposed to do, run away? No, no, you're not supposed to run away, but... Pete, look, you're changing. I know, I went through exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly. Peter, these are the years when a man changes into the man he's going to become the rest of his life. Just be careful who you change into. This guy, Flash Thompson, he probably deserved what happened. But just because you can beat him up doesn't give you the right to remember with great power comes great responsibility be a man get in there and apologize
2: i'm sorry i may have... honestly you don't have to apologize to me it's your hell
5: op- he doesn't ben. look i'm sorry uncle ben i uh, i got distracted oh he got life. distracted Yeah. Your aunt, my wife, had to walk 12 blocks alone in the middle of the night and then wait in a deserted subway station because you got distracted. Ben,
2: sweetheart, honestly, I am completely capable
5: of walking home. You will not defend this boy. I'm not defending him. You are defending him. Listen to me, son. Yeah, go ahead. You're a lot like your father. You really are, Peter, and that's a good thing. But your father lived by a philosophy, a principle, really. He believed that, that if you could do good things for other people, you had a moral obligation to do those things. That's what's at stake here. Not choice. Responsibility.
3: That's nice. That's, that's great. It's all well and good. So where is he?
5: What? Where is he? Where's my dad? He didn't think it was his responsibility to be here to tell me this himself. Oh, come on, how dare you!
3: How dare I, how dare you! You have a gift. You have power. And with great power, there must also come great responsibility.